From the heart of Illinois, ABC meteorologist Joe Puma. Cloudy and cold today, a 22 wind chill into the lower teens uh, throughout the day, so that's awesome. 22 is the high, by the way. Tonight, clear skies, calm winds, low of 11. Tomorrow, sunshine, a high of 30. Wednesday, mostly cloudy, 36. That sounds like downright hot compared to the current temperatures. Thursday, rain, snow mix, a high of 35. Right now, it is 22 at Radio Bloomington. Where should I begin? Can we talk about this? Say, hey, what are you trying to say? Beyond the usual controversial talk. Blah, 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 on and on and on. Over there. No. Hello, no. One, two, cha-cha-cha. One, two, cha-cha-cha. Prepare yourself. Okay. For Craig. Okay. Preparing a mighty new spectacle here. Articulate. <laughs> stimulating. Yeah. Hit you right in the... Mm, there you go. We start becoming a team... This is the Craig Collins Show. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, no. On WJBC. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Now your host. He's a good man. Craig. That's right. Craig Collins Show, AM 1230 WJBC. Um, my wife and I were driving past Grossinger Motors Arena this weekend, and there was like a big thing going on. And she points at it. She's like, what is, what are people doing at Grossinger? I don't, I'm like, I don't know. Apparently, John Davies. From where are you at from again? What are you at? Uh, 101.5 WBNQ mornings on The Susan Show. And what do we call WBNQ we, now? We've yet to come up with a okay. legit official name yet. It's All not, right. you know, the power. The jams. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Please go with the sauce. That would you be my know. favorite. Oh, that's... The Susan Show with John Davies on the sauce. On the sauce. Mmm, <laughs> tasty. Uh, <laughs> I can't even do the show now. I can't. That's fantastic to start. Uh, but anyway, you were at whatever event was going on at Grossinger yes. Motors Arena. What was happening? It was the 66 Games um, League of Legends tournament. On top of that, it was a video game expo. So it was okay. kind of like, you know, kind of the concept of like a Comic-Con, but not necessarily gotcha. comic-based, but more mm-hmm. of kind of a video game stance from uh, collecting all that nostalgia. I personally bought some Godzilla's posters from nice. like, the 80s and 90s, so I'm going to hang go. up his bathroom art. Uh, Did people go in costumes? Uh, there were some kind okay. of, you know, uh, Halloween bot store bot costumes. Yeah. Uh, well, the hour that I was there, I didn't see anyone in full con garb. Got but, it. I mean, that's, that's the a type con... of place to do that. Kind okay, of yeah, because that's yeah, a con right? thing, especially the comic cons, which I've mm-hmm. been to before. They go. Yeah. I might have gone in costume a couple times, John Davies. I have it's no nice. shame in that whatsoever, right. Craig. Let I, me know it, next time. It might have been because of like radio station connections and stuff, and I didn't. Cool. I wouldn't have chosen to do it completely. Sure, sure, but sure, it's sure, fun sure. to go. So you um, don't have any skeletons in your closet back home. No, 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 no. That's not a thing. Uh, so, real quick though, just so I totally understand this, and our listeners eight two nine two three four five, if you have questions, mm-hmm. you essentially went to a giant event, the yeah. second annual event in Bloomington, where you watched people play video games. Totally. So one uh, specific video game, League of Legends, which is the okay. biggest game in the world. The con kind of took place over the course of the console, but when you walked into the arena of Grossinger Motors Arena. Uh, where they have the restaurant area, that glass yeah. door was the main stage, and then on the floor itself, they probably had probably like six other capabilities of playing a game. And a game of League of Legends is a five v five video game, but okay. the main stage was all set up. 
It was being uh, live streamed on Twitch. All the bells and whistles. Nice. The 66 Games uh, group did a great job in terms of aesthetics and really making it look professional. I thought they did a great job. But League of Legends isn't really my thing. I understand that it's a huge game. It's a little complicated for my video game style, but I respect the fact that State Farm and the powers to be here at Bloomington are taking the steps to make this an annual thing. So two things. Uh, when I found out that you were there, I asked you to come on the show, and I was I was smiling. I was I was laughing when I asked you. So it, it seemed like there was some level of, you know, and I get it. For I got any- a guy. He's a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not that. I, I get it for a lot of people if you're listening and you're like, I can't believe that video games is where it is now, but it's it's insane. It's you sent crazy. me a uh, a trailer for this game, yes, and like some Netflix documentary. Or something. It's, a, it's called League of Legends um, Origins, and it's okay. the it's just kind of the story behind League of Legends. It's really been a professional esport since about 2012. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously it's big here in the states, but uh, China, Japan, and South Korea, where it really makes strides. And I mean, uh, last year the League of Legends World Cup final was bigger than the World Series, That's what the just NBA Finals, and um, Super Bowl. Su- I mean, the like, big it's, game. it's bigger than all, all rolled into it. It's, it's insane combined. that it's that. Yeah, yeah, 32 million people went to go watch it or yes. something like that. Yes. Like, live at the venue. Hundreds of millions of people have... The thing is that this is a free game. There's a variety of different ways that you can spend money within the game itself, but if you want to play, very similar to why... Fortnite is as successful as it is. It is a quote-unquote free game okay. to get started. So then I, I do have questions because I'd like to understand this better. I am not of I am of a generation that grew up on video games. Sure, my more of first, a Mario Donkey Kong kind of guy. That's, it hurts the team. You're immediately trying to show my age on this station. <laughs> but I, people don't even know what that is. You're playing sure. like GoldenEye instead? I mean, yeah, I was GoldenEye, GoldenEye, Smash Brothers, yeah, like the I'm, original... <sighs> Blow my cartridge, this sleepovers. Guy, you didn't blow cartridges on an N64. That's yeah, not how did. that. No, you didn't. No, <gasps> yeah, yeah, you did. No, it was only Nintendo. I was. I mean, really? 64 is the same thing. It was it just never. A, the 64 never failed for me. Well, you had the good stuff. But you, I, you weren't too mad at the Rumble Pack. I, <laughs> I remember my first uh, video game system was a Sega Genesis. Is okay. it Sega? Sonic S- Sonic 2? guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love Sonic the Hedgehog. NFL Blitz, maybe? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I can't wait to, to see the Sonic movie, but that I'm, I'm now sidetracking way too Jim much. Only because in there. But, yeah. nah, and the new Sonic looks so much better it than the old so one. looks so much better. The <laughs> old one was so scary. It would have given so many children nightmares. Yeah. Uh, but so, so I do. I want to understand how in my day and age, uh, you know, I sound like an old man all of a sudden, I can grow up and no one thinks video games are like a future. Like I threw on a video game system. My mom's like, well... There goes three hours of his life. You know, like, it's wasted completely. Today, though, you can get a college scholarship. Absolutely. You can become a professional, win millions of dollars at events, Mm -hmm. and have millions of fans on social media. Endorsements. All just by being good at a video game. Mm -hmm. And you go... And watch that guy play. Well, I don't understand that well, part. That and the other thing is, I uh, uh, probably more than I watch streaming services in the likes of Netflix and Amazon yeah. and HBO. I will put on Twitch, which is the big platform for people to stream video games. It is, and just kind of have that on in the background while I'm okay. doing work on the okay. side. I need to stand up. I need to stand up. And I am, I'm actually wearing a hernia <laughs> brace, by the way, so it's difficult to stand. This is a thing. Too much physical activity playing just video so, games. Right, so much. So here's the di- here's my confusion. Okay. All right. So video games and like witnessing them as opposed to playing them. Yeah. The difference between the NBA. Sure. If I go to an NBA basketball game, I can't do what those guys can. Like I can't do it. I can't suit up, play against people as giant as the. Hold on, I'm not done. Okay. I, I know you're anticipating the question. Sure, sure, sure. But sure. I'm not done. I'll let you do your thing. I want to do my whole thing. Got it. So I can't do it. Whoop. 
I have to show up at the YMCA on a Saturday when the kids' hoops are still kid hoop level <laughs> to feel like an NBA basketball player for 45 minutes. Oh, right. And I, I can't even play someone my own size then. It has to be a child. I can only dunk on children, John. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's the league I want to watch. Exactly. Oh, dude. <laughs> Collins is the only adult. Craig Collins with the alley <laughs> From downtown. Look, I know that he's heating up. I know that most people think that that'd be terrible. I would so love that league for like league. a week. Yeah, it's eight year olds to ten, and Craig Collins, and that's it. It's one on five, hoops. Craig versus like five. No, no, years. I need yeah. four teammates. I want. I want to be able to pass the rock. I got to get the alley oops too. No, but so so like that's a thing. I can't do it the right. way that an NBA player can. And I play Fortnite from time to time. And I know I'm not as good as Ninja. And if you don't know who Ninja is, that's okay. He's got he's blue really hair. good. Yeah, he's good at stuff worth millions of dollars. But I can turn on any video game and play it. You know, and, and sometimes I can be relatively close to sure. as good as these guys are. I don't know how is that analogy any different from you if you want to pick up a game of Fortnite and be as average in your mind as you think you are. Oh, I'm. A, what's I'm, the difference between doing that and just going to the Y to play a pickup game of basketball? But it. Yeah, but I'm. I think that the the gap between me and and the best of the best in the video game world, and this might just be my my level of arrogance, <sighs> is is lesser than really? the gap between. Yeah. So I I think that if I were to play Ninja. This is a great Fortnite player, one-on-one, 20 times. There is an off chance that I'll get lucky and beat the guy once. Mm. But if I were to play LeBron James oh, in one-on-one Craig. 20 times, but you could just zero throw up chance. three the whole time, oh, no. you know? LeBron I mean, would destroy me. You sniping Ninja to get a one out of a hundred you know, win. Yeah, exactly. Right. Is the same, in my opinion. These guys, I don't think you... To discredit video game players on a professional level is well, just hold on. lazy. Hold on, hold on. No, no, hold on. I'm not discrediting. I think there is a skill set that's beyond my abilities. Absolutely. I think, it, I think it does exist. But you think you have a better chance of becoming a pro, quote-unquote, athlete in the video esport realm than you do professionally within a Yeah, of course realm? I do. Well, of course I do. Greg, I got plenty of video games. <laughs> I know plenty of nerds. Well, here's, here's the thing. I just don't think the gap... It, like, because the reflexes, right? What's well, so happening it's, like that, I know. Too. It's all hand-eye coordination, right, uh, sure. for the most part. I mean, beyond that, I think there's some level of, like, totally understanding every aspect of the skills. Like, you need to get the game to 100%. Well, that and there's single-player games, and League of Legends is a strategy game for five-on-five. Five. So, you know, you can be as good as you can be, but you also have to be able to work well with the team. With the team. Well, so here's the thing. I think as we continue to progress into the future, and as the, the controls, the graphics, whatever it is, gets better and better and better, mm-hmm. so that, like, the realistic like response is so crazy good and i don't think we're there yet some ready player one stuff yeah i think eventually we'll be at the point where like an nba player is akin to an esports professional with the gap between him and a novice i think the generational thing is going to have to disappear though i think people are going to have to start giving these video game players credit Credit. for what they're doing i mean they're making millions of dollars outside of the u.s i mean this is a much more socially accepted thing yeah here it's still kind of you're wasting video game well, no, video and let's let's say it's twofold. Let's say that the people that are above my generation uh, never got it, um, and I don't mean that to be mean. They sure. just they didn't grow up in video games, so that's going to be hard for them to get. And then there's people like me who are going to hate downward only because we're jealous. Because if I were able to grow the, up, you do this with baseball, you do this with football, you do it with video games. <laughs> 
How's that any different? I hate down with everything. <laughs> just like, listen, if I were able to grow up where, where people could have treated me nice for being so good at Street Fighter, like so good at Street Fighter. You were really good at Street Thank Fighter. Thank you. I dominated you. <laughs> We, we had a... Stand-ups weren't my thing. There was a random uh, dude who popped into the... We were all hanging out on Friday, and there was some dude who's like, let's street fighter it up, and that guy seemed like he was great. We were at 8-Bit Arcade, Yeah, by thank the way. you. By the way, I destroyed that guy. Just just ruined him. I perfected him the last time, and he's like, wow, man. K.O. Yeah, I know. And right now, currently, not impressive to anyone that I'm <laughs> that good at that game. Cool, Craig. <laughs> So that's where it comes from, man. That's where the resentment, because I can't get the shooters. I'm not good enough at the shooters to be good at them. But I, I could beat Ninja at Street Fighter, I'm pretty sure. Problem, right? I mean, but, like, skill set doesn't necessarily transition from one game to another. All right. You well, that's, I think that's what it is, though. The Fighting apathy, games are a whole other animal. You they can are. watch Tekken and all sorts of Street Fighter and all uh, right. Super Smash Bros. That's another big fighter these days. I mean... Um, How many play total- in esports that's got Super Smash Brothers tournaments like every weekend? It's- you want to go and compete with some of the best in town? Let's no, do it, Craig. I'm, I'm also bad at that. I just can't get back <laughs> in the platform. You kick me off, and I can't do the double jump thing. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, that that no one got that. I, I get it. That none of our listeners understood up what down, I just said. Up down, left, right, right, left, right. A B, A B, start. Oh, there, there you go. The code, Konami maybe. code. That's awesome. Uh, we're both nerds way more than I realized. Uh, I got to take a break. Uh, anyone call in eight two nine two three four five. I want to talk a little bit more about the esports, yeah, the, the popularity of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and John, how many people were there? A crap ton of people. I was only there for an hour, so things kind of fluctuated. I mean, the weather okay. wasn't necessarily great, right? But there was a good turnout from everything that I saw on social media yeah. over the course of the weekend. I think Sixty Six Games did a great job in production level. Nice. And this is something that piques you or your your next generation's interest. Definitely follow Sixty Six mm-hmm. Games on social media. They're doing a great job. In and town. they they had retro games too. I read that, so mm-hmm. I definitely should have gone myself. Mm-hmm. Right, quick break. A lot more coming up in just a minute on AM 12. I'll just Brian Walder weighing in on the show. Uh, today, lingering clouds with a few flurries possible. Tonight, skies clear, low of 10. Single-digit wind chills possible. Stay inside. Mostly sunny to partly cloudy, a high of 29 tomorrow. Wednesday, mostly cloudy. Snow showers possible late, high of 37. Thursday, partly cloudy. Snow showers possible, high of 36. My doors have been freezing shut on my Jeep every single day because we don't have a... Uh, uh, a garage of any kind, I will be thrilled when we get up to 37, 38 degrees because that means no more frozen doors in the morning. Oh, wait, hold on. There we go. That works better. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. It's Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. Some congratulations are in order on this show, and I like to do that. I like to highlight success. Uh, when it happens um, tangentially to me, because uh, you know I'm not I'm not winning any awards. They're not throwing any Craig Collins's way. We might submit for some. You never know. Right. Someone might be crazy enough to give this show an award. I don't think so though. Mm, but the news guy who works the two o'clock hour in my program, uh, Blake Haas, you you've got some prestigious things coming your way. Yeah, they're not like prestigious, but it's something that's higher up. I am reading an email from one Blake Haas, which said uh, the presentation of these upcoming things is highly prestigious. I think that is an exact quote. Yeah, it is prestigious. Okay, so you're going to go to NBA. That's the National Association of Broadcasters. They have an educational uh, thing as well that happens in Vegas. This Mm -hmm. is in April. You will be presenting two different research research studies, whatever, that you've been doing in grad school here at ISU uh, that have been recognized as some of the most interesting things in education in broadcasting happening in the country. Yes. That correct. sounds pretty prestigious, sir. Okay, well, now that you say it, it is kind of prestigious. <laughs> it is It is a higher award, and it's very hard to get into. Yeah. But, yeah. A lot of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to bring you on. I wanted to talk about it. These topics, though, 
they are they're not easy. They're you you actually it's interesting because I don't know why, but doing what I do on the radio, mm-hmm. I assume people who are getting like master's degrees in broadcasting are studying like silly things. I don't it's not always the like assumption how radio works. Right. Like yeah, like something right. well, not in a sense. In yeah. a sense, maybe. But you're actually your your papers are on much more intense things. Uh the first one, talk about that one. Talk about the two different topics that you've done a lot of research into. Well, the first one I'm going to talk about uh, is the intersections of both humor in the workplace and also where that line crosses and when a joke becomes too much in the workplace. Well, it's interesting that you would do that with a a slant toward broadcasting, a slant toward uh, industries like ours and workplaces like ours, because I would assume there's some level of, of, and not purposefully, so to say, Mm -hmm. but the, the line being pushed more. Because, again, we're entertainment people. We're in the entertainment profession. And so it would be nice to take a step back and really think about how that impacts um, everyone. Because I think in, in the research you were doing, you used The Office as sort of a... Yeah. So through a critical... TV show. Yeah. Through a critical analysis lens, I used The Office. But the thing is, is I was thinking and I was talking with uh, uh, my professor, Dr. Blaney, and I was like, you know... I would love to do an actual office. Yeah. But the thing is, is if you sit in an actual office, somebody always changes their behavior because you're being watched. Gotcha. It always happens. You could say you don't, but you will. So wait a minute yeah. then. Wait a minute. Now a lot of things are dawning on me. Blake Haas right. is known in this very office space as being the kind of guy who just throws questions out into the ether and sees whose answers yeah, them, see what happens. That. Right. Are you, are you studying us? I'm not studying us. I wish I was, okay. but I'm not because that would be that would skew my research. Gotcha, because you're, you're involved yeah. in it. Okay. So I wanted to use something that actually has an actual office, mm-hmm. and the most watched Netflix series in the history of being streamed is The Office. Right, and, and it's, because, right. it's because the boss, the character Michael Scott, who's played by mm-hmm. the great Steve Carell, is often very unaware of where lines exist. And, right. and that becomes humor for everyone that digests mm-hmm. that show. That's why it's a very popular thing. So it's interesting to you know to talk about this in greater detail. What have you learned through your, your study here? So what I found in both the office and what could be applied to an actual workforce is um, there's in-groups and there's out-groups. And the in-groups is men who uh-huh. are trying to dominate their masculinity over Uh-oh. over women, okay. which is what I found. Gotcha. The out-group are women. Gotcha. Most dominantly. So when you're looking at like board of trustees or uh, boards of companies, they're mainly ran by Caucasian males. So would you, would you say, is it fair to then say, because like this is the way that I interpret some um, content like mine, like, like shows that exist right. out in the world. They almost have personalities. I think mm-hmm. office spaces have personalities. You're saying the personality at an office space, especially in like higher level positions, right. is, is masculine. It's yes. not it's not feminine at all. The no. personality of the office space yeah. and then the way in which people interact with each other and succeed has to have a slant toward masculinity. Exactly. Wow. And if you're part of the out group or if you're a woman, mm-hmm. you will never have a say in what happens because you're part of the out group. And when you try to make a joke, then it comes off of a hostile work environment. Huh. So therefore, it makes the whole work environment worse. Okay. I know that there's probably listeners who are thinking, Blake's wrong. No way. This right. is dumb. Um, but at the same time, like if we if we seed that there's a layer to that that's true, how do we – have you looked at any ways to improve that situation? Yeah. There's a couple of avenues that you can do to improve that situation. One is you just have equality in the workplace. You just hire equal number of males mm-hmm. and females. But obviously that's not possible in some areas. So, A, you have to stop the – 
joking behavior when it happens. Gotcha. B, you have to divide the in-groups and out-groups and make sure it's just one group instead of in-groups and out-groups. Now, obviously, personalities won't clash, will yeah. clash, and you don't have people to get along. So it's going to be hard, but as a manager, you have to be able to step into those and draw an actual boundary and show them, hey, this is the line and you can't cross it. Got it. Um, within that world, how do you respond to the people that say we're just getting way too sensitive? Because that is a narrative that's a, a response to this kind of thing mm -hmm. that happens a lot. Um, society was not as sensitive in the past, and for whatever reason, a lot of people don't think that there were a lot of problems back in the day. So, so mm -hmm. how do you respond to someone that says we're just all being so hypercritical and hypersensitive in today's day and age? Well, that's a good question, and that's what I wanted to focus on, too, is when you look at policy handbooks, there's mm -hmm. a lot of lines that says sexual harassment is this, this, and this, right? But sure. there's, there's a lot of gray lines in there when a joke could turn into that sort of thing. Sure. So basically what I've found is everyone has their own line and boundary, but when it's really hard to manage as a person to say, Craig, here's your line. I don't know where it's at, so I'm going to keep pushing it right. till I find it. But then all of a sudden it turns hostile. Yeah. So when someone says they're too sensitive, everybody's got their own feelings. I got you. And so that's what, how you kind what of What you're saying is, is a comfort level is not something you can dictate on a macro right. scale. This is a person-to-person -person conversation. Mm -hmm. And if someone has a comfort level that is different than someone else, that's not... You know, <laughs> it's not an issue. Right. It just exists, and we all have to accept it. Exactly. Uh, that's that's interesting. Uh, the last thing I think about this whole conversation, too, and, like, the idea that, that there's such this sensitivity and, you know, a pushback against that sort of thing, as we continue to evolve, as society, as the workplace culture continues to grow, do you see things like rules out of, I, I think this was Facebook, although I don't remember. It might have been one of the other ones, Net, Netflix maybe? where you couldn't make more than five seconds of eye contact. They literally put out, do you remember this? They put out a, a guideline for workers, and they said anything beyond five seconds of contact with another coworker where you're not having a conversation, like in those big office spaces, you're just kind of glancing out, that feels uncomfortable because it's, mm -hmm. it's staring and that that can make people feel uncomfortable. And again, this is, this is working within the parameters of saying, okay, someone's line is less than five seconds of eye contact, do you see us getting that um, micromanaging of behaviors in order to enable everyone to be comfortable? Well, the third phase of my project was the verbal and nonverbal reactions, the communication between Michael Scott, the main character of The Office, sure. and the male and female counterparts. Gotcha. So when, you, when he lands a joke like that's what she said after <laughs> something that he would say jokingly, okay. the, males, laugh. the males would look at him and smile laughter, sure. and that shows agreeance. But the females would instantly look down or away and, and they would show signs of frustration. And that shows you right there that's kind of like the line that you can't cross. So more so than putting out a, a memo to all of your office staffs saying right. no more than five seconds eye contact, you, you need to coach everyone to be very aware of the nonverbal cues mm -hmm. that people are giving off. Well, all right. Uh, we have another study. You have a second uh, conversation, but I'm going to take a break first. And again, these two, these two areas of research are, are you know, a little bit more in, intense than what some people might have considered. Yes. The second one, we're going to be talking about suicide. Yes. Um, so just a warning for anyone listening out there that we are going to discuss this because, Blake, you're, you're nationally recognized now. These are interesting pieces of information, things they want to bring to, to NBA and discuss there. So I, I want to highlight that here on WJBC. Quick break. Don't am 1230. Brian Walder is the chief meteorologist at ABC. Lingering clouds with a few flurries today. Clear skies tonight. Ten is the low. Single-digit wind chills possible. My car's doors will freeze again. Mostly sunny to partly cloudy, a high of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy. Snow showers possible late, high of 37. 
Thursday, partly cloudy, snow showers again possible, high of 36. Right now at Radio Bloomington, it is 22 degrees. Blake Haas, news guy, in studio here with me, chatting about uh, something upcoming for him. He's a master's student at ISU, studying broadcasting, getting a master's degree in communications and broadcasting. Bold, bold decision, my friend. That is, uh, that's an industry, you know, that uh, I think it's understudied, maybe. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> very serious. Serious Blake is in studio right, right. now because uh, he's talking about his two different areas of research. Both will be highlighted at NBA coming up in uh, April. Um, you'll be doing two different presentations, one on uh, something we already talked about, the joke workplace environment and what goes too far, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You binge watch all of The Office for that research. Yeah, so. a lot of, lot of minutes watched. Yeah, that. fantastic. But it was worth it. That show's ruined for you now, I assume. You yeah, can't go I back. can't watch it the same now. Yeah, you can't have fun. Uh, the other area is even more uh, challenging, I think, to some. We just got a lovely call off the air, though, of someone looking forward to this conversation because uh, it is just something people don't talk about a lot. And, right. and many people are impacted by this, many more than we understand. And not even necessarily people who lose someone to suicide, but people who, who struggle with contemplating things like this. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of areas of mental health that are just undiscussed. Undi- un, you know, we need mm-hmm. to have more public awareness in general. But so your second uh, research piece that you're going to be talking about at MBA revolves around that how. Uh, so I want to look at the discourse of family communication before and after suicide. Okay. So the word suicide, and as you've j- kind of hit it on, it's a taboo topic. No it one is. really talks about it. Yeah. Uh, before and after it happens, it, you know, you have depression or something like that that may lead into suicide. Sure. But no one talks about that, especially as a college student. No one highlights that factor. There's a lot of pressures you have on you, and no one talks about it. Yeah, again, uh, to reiterate what I said in the last segment, um, being a guy that does a silly radio show, um, I assume that you studying broadcasting and radio and all that kind of stuff at school would be not this, uh, per se. (laughs) Right. Right, and so it's awesome that it is, though, and obviously that's probably why you're being selected among a very small amount of people to go out and present at things like the Mm -hmm. National Association of Broadcasters because of how under-discussed it is. How did you study the family conversation specifically? So the the goal of my study was to find what happens to families after suicide. Gotcha. The days, weeks, months, whatever may be after. Mm-hmm. So through my project, and I had institutional review board approval to talk with people who their parents have committed suicide. So you did interviews with? Yes, I did interviews wow. with someone has a family member or a friend that's committed suicide. Gotcha. So obviously that's a hard topic to talk about. Yeah. So there's a lot of awareness things you have to say, you know, like, if you need help, here's these resources. I'm not a guidance counselor or anything like that, so I can't physically help you as things may come above. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's here's kind of what I'm looking for. And so through those conversations, what I've learned is um, one person that I had, her father just committed suicide just a couple of months wow. before I interviewed her. And she said, you know, the days and weeks were horrible. Yeah. It's been two months now, and it's still horrible. Well, but the thing is, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, so so actually, that it, it immediately to me, um, and I don't know if this is naive. I have never had to deal with this. I've never had a loved right. one, unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, uh, leave in that way. Uh, so I, I wonder first the level of denial. There would be something, and this is this is the typical grieving process with almost anything you deal with. Uh, but I imagine that it's it's hard to. And accept is a silly word. That's the end of the grieving process. But it's hard to to get there mentally right after. So if you're talking right. to people that are a month, two months from something horrible like this happening, I imagine it's almost detachment more than anything else that you're finding being a a typical you know first response. 
mm-hmm. um, along with the struggling and the 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 grief coming in and out of your life when you're realizing that no 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 this this happened very recently and then going back and forth did you see a lot of that people surviving yeah. by removing that from the brain as much as they could on a day-to-day basis yeah there's an author named ross his last name is ross. i'm forgetting his first name off the top of my head mm-hmm. but he he notes there's a cycle of emotions that people go through sure. the first phase is denial mm-hmm. obviously you're denying something that happened and then the second phase is guilt. It's yeah. um, maybe I did something wrong or did I say something or not step into the situation or mm-hmm. I could have done something. Then the third phase is kind of bereavement in a sense to where you have community involvement. People coming to your house and saying, you know, I'm so sorry that this person died. But here's a story from the back then uh, from the past that I have from them that I would love to share with you. That kind of helps the bereavement phase in a sense. Gotcha. But then your fourth and fifth phase kind of go together. And that's just uh, storytelling in a sense. So rekindling that idea of, hey, you know, for example, Craig's been a part of my life forever, and here's this story that I have of him, and it makes me smile every day. That's what I, how I remember Craig, and that's what I've found is there's just a complete cycle. Got it. So then there's two big components uh, you found, and this is just me right. parsing through what you're saying. Uh, two big components, and maybe someone, and I don't even know if healing is the right word either because I don't know that that's a rational expectation, right. But but coming to terms with... Uh, losing someone in a way like this. The first one is managing guilt, managing mm-hmm. your own personal feelings of of either not knowing, not doing more, whatever it would be, because if you care about someone, if you love someone in your life, then that person deciding not to be here anymore would almost feel right. like a reflection of how well you did in your relationship with that person. And that's that's completely flawed in and of its thinking. Right. Uh, the other thing, though, is is the more shocking thing to me that you're saying, finding a way to remember that person. I would assume that pain would be caused by any memories there with is. someone that you lost. Every cycle, every phase of that cycle comes with pain, and it doesn't, there's not a certain time on each cycle of that right. phase. But obviously, even people who are struggling with depression, even people who are who are in places where they might be considering things like this, there's good moments in, in everyone's mm-hmm. life. There's, there's fun moments. There's there's things you can look back on if you are that person struggling with something right. or if you're someone else in that person's life um, and mention it and live in those moments that are that are positive and uplifting to maybe help, uh, you know, make it a, a easier thing to deal with um, in whatever sense. Because I, I would, again, assume that if you lost someone in this way compared to any other way, because uh, I know people, um, I actually haven't lost many family members at all, like in any form. Right. Only my grandfather yeah. has passed away. And and we often tell fun stories and funny stories about him years after his passing, just because that's the that's the most enjoyable way to continue. And I would think that because of suicide, you'd be less likely to do that, um, because it would it would come so tied to this person not being happy in life. Exactly. Yeah. And I had a good friend that committed suicide in high school, and that's the whole reason wow. why I spurred the study. Wow, is to find. Okay, what happens next? You know, there's a lot of kids yeah. in my high school that are still struggling with this. They're out of high school and college, obviously, getting professional jobs. What happens to them? And so that's kind of the point of my whole study. And so basically the underlying bottom line is we need to make the word suicide not taboo anymore. Sure. We need to have these conversations and sure. continue to communicate parent to child, child to parent, parent to grandparent, whatever it may be. Just continue to communicate the word suicide. And if someone is feeling upset or wrong, uh, for something that they did, uh, please feel free. To, we're here all 24-7 yeah. uh, on the radio even, but the National Suicide Hotline even. Um, I know there's uh, 
Yeah, the National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. Um, and there's, there's a twofold kind of responsibility in having that conversation. Right. First, if you are someone that's dealing with any levels of depression, any levels of contemplation of things like this, know that there's help out there and know that you're not alone. You're not at all the only person who thinks about things like this, who deals with, with stuff like this. I think we're learning more and more in the last few years how prevalent um, um, mental struggle is mm-hmm. more so than ever before and i think we are as a society coming closer and closer to having an open dialogue it's not open but in right. a, a closer to open dialogue about things like this so 1-800-273-8255 if you're a person struggling reach out talk to loved ones maybe find a loved one that you trust more than than most and, and try to have you know conversations i assume that's part of the way toward prevention right uh, but then to your study if you're someone who's dealt with loss like this do something similar. Uh, try to find, and our caller, very lovely caller, said that unfortunately there aren't enough support systems in her life, mm-hmm. people local to her that are willing to have conversations like this. I know she doesn't use social media, but I'm sure there's groups in the social media spaces yes, that can help with is. that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but I'm sure there are also support groups here locally, anywhere else. Maybe we'll have one on. Uh, maybe you've come across some. I have come across some. And also, if you want to talk about my study as well, or even just talk about that kind of stuff, you can feel free to email me, Blake, B-L-A-K-E dot H-A-A-S at Cumulus.com. Yeah. Cumulus, C-U-M-U-L-U-S. Uh, please wow, feel man. because I'm here all the time. Blake, the silly guy from Clinton who makes a lot of jokes on the show yeah. and has the uh, the rim shot dialed up oh, on my program right. is studying very serious things at school yeah. and killing it. Uh, the research you're doing is being recognized nationally on a, on a crazy scale now. Um, so great See, job, man, in school. Thanks. I'm <laughs> looking forward to April to present this. Yeah, I kind of want to go. kind of want to be there in April for a couple of days. This, this happens over yeah. the weekend, right? Yeah, 18th to the 21st. Okay, Saturday and Sunday. Man, I would like to go. Hundreds um, of thousands of people will be I want to see Educator Blake throw on the old uh, suit and tie. I got it. Brian Walder. Lingering clouds with a few flurries possible for the rest of the day today. I see flurries floating now. Uh, clear skies tonight. Low of 10. Single-digit wind chill is possible. Tomorrow, mostly sunny to partly cloudy, a high of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy, snow showers possible late, high of 37. Thursday, partly cloudy, snow showers possible, high of 36. Right now, Radio Bloomington, it is 21, 22 degrees. Really, really cold. You're listening to The Great College Show on WJBC. I shouldn't complain about cold, though. I'm aware of where I live. This is the Midwest. It gets cold here. Uh, it snows here. Those are normal things. So uh, even though I want to complain, I will uh, I will restrain myself in the rest of that. A couple quick things, actually, I'd like to mention. Uh, first, the polar plunge. I'm doing it. It's in February. I'm jumping into cold waters, I think. I haven't raised enough money. Uh, Buck Stevens, who's done a great job, he's raised over 800 bucks so far uh, for his polar plunge, was talking to me today about how if I don't raise 100 bucks, I'm not really supposed to jump in the water uh checking on my current situation i've raised twenty dollars on the online i think it's on social media by the way you can find it on the facebook page for wjbc the craig collins show polar plunge donation page um and that's from one donation from gretchen shelley thank you very much gretchen uh for donating to the cause that's nice of you to want me to jump into freezing cold water but i need more i need at least a few more people got to get to 100 bucks i can't uh be outshone wjbc can't be beaten this badly uh, by Buck, we we need we need to do a better job. If it's within your abilities, please go to our Facebook page, the WJBC Show page, donate to the cause, so that when I jump into the water, freeze my my butt off. It's for at least a a reason other than I'm just a dumb person. Uh, but that's that's out there. I have to talk about that. I also have tickets. 
to give away at some point during the show. For the B4 Festival, that is exciting. I haven't been to this before, uh, being new to Bloomington. But the Bourbon Brews, BBQ, and Blues Fest uh, takes place actually very soon. It takes place on the 25th from 5 to 8 o'clock. I have tickets to give away all week long. I'll figure out different ways to do that. I can't tie it to the other thing I just said. I don't think that's allowed. Um, but, you know, uh, I have tickets to give away. So if that makes you more willing to to donate to a cause, that's great. Uh, because I will be giving listeners, winners, uh, chances all this week long to to get tickets to the B4 Festival. I'll be doing that later in the show. Uh, so those are just a couple things coming up, happening. I have more awesome stuff uh, later on in the show, too. I'll be talking to someone who wrote an article at Slate.com about starting ballet in her 60s. Uh, A studio, a dance studio, opened across the street from her house. She said she had to be oh so lazy, like too lazy to not even try a class. She wound up trying a bunch of classes and and wrote a whole article that's uh, a great piece in Slate.com. She'll be on at 4.30 today to talk more about her experience getting fit uh, and doing something like ballet, something very strenuous, very difficult. Her her name is Michelle Herman. Uh, She'll be on the show at 4.30 at 5.00. Cody Goff from Curiosity Daily does his thing. Uh, Very silly every week. We talk about things that help you be smarter. Just a a few minutes at a time. Some, you know, stats you might not know. Some interesting facts. Things you can share at your next cocktail party. Uh, Cody joins me every Monday at 5 o'clock. I do also have to, of course, talk about the fact that we have our teams for the big game in a couple weeks. Uh, I don't know if you watched football this weekend. 829-2345. Feel free to give me a call. Uh, Kansas City did what Kansas City has been doing, uh, which is fall down early and then win the game pretty much from the second quarter on. Uh, for another blowout, Patrick Mahomes looks like the elite quarterback in the NFL, not one. I think his he is the elite quarterback now. His uh, sales, his jersey sales would seem to confirm that. He is actually on pace to be the most sold jersey for the first time in a long time. Tom Brady having that honor for Years and years and years. It's time for the future. Let's hear, though, from a homer, because that's the other thing. I love sports calls when they're homers. I don't like the the guy who's trying to be in the middle. I don't don't need the Joe Buck call every so often. I like the guy who bleeds the team and all of a sudden realizes, hey, it's the first time in 50 years we're going to be in a a game like this. So he is very excited. Uh, But here is the call from KMAN, KMAN. Uh, about the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. 50 years of waiting. 50 years. Their dreams have come true. Hail, hail to the king of the Chiefs kingdom forever. Because today, the team that Lamar Hunt founded has just won Lamar Hunt's trophy in the stadium that was Lamar Hunt's dream. Kansas City is the AFC champion. They are headed to Miami for Super Bowl 54. Final score, Kansas City 35, Tennessee 24. We all know that guy had a great rest of his evening. He made that call. He was very happy at the outcome, obviously, of the game. And that just sounds so good. If you want to hear the other call that I have, it's not anywhere near as homery. It's very disappointing. But this is the San Francisco 49ers getting that final interception. They beat the Packers 37-20. to I know they upset a lot of people here in the office. I know we have a lot of Packers fans. I'm, I'm sure that Bears fans, though, nowhere near as upset. But let's hear the call of the 49ers also icing their shot at the big game. Air out downfield. Picked. Richard Sherman gets his fourth in his postseason career. 
and ends this game. San Francisco going to the Super Bowl with a big win over Green Bay, 37 to 20. I, I imagine everybody's going to watch this game. Everybody watches every year. It's the highest-rated TV event year in and year out now. Uh, there's no television shows. There's no dramas. There's no mashes. There's nothing like that that captivates the audience. And even though I think ratings for these games are going down year over year, it's still, you know, and this I think it's a really good matchup. It's interesting to see a Jimmy Garoppolo, who, by the way, only had six complete passes in his win, because they didn't need him. If the running back can go for 220 and four scores, you don't need to do a lot of throwing, Jimmy. Uh, but he's one of the elite, I think, younger quarterbacks in the league. It's interesting he used to play for the New England Patriots, who now have this issue with Tom Brady, very unlikely to continue to be a quarterback for that team, in my opinion. And a guy like Jimmy, being the heir apparent who could have been on the team, would have had to probably take the reins before now. And Bill Belichick would have loved for that to happen because I don't know. I don't know where that team is. I'm not saying that Tom Brady is the reason that the Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl this year. He certainly is not. But at the same time, uh, with a different quarterback, even one who was only needed for six completions uh, in his game on Sunday, I, it could be a different narrative. I, and especially moving forward now, he would definitely be the future there. And Jimmy's a good quarterback. However much you think maybe he's not as elite as Patrick Mahomes, who is the best in the league, He's very good. So a matchup of these younger quarterbacks, these these guys who are probably the future of the league, is as interesting as any other narrative going in. Uh, Kansas City, having not been there since Super Bowl four, is a very interesting you know story in and of itself too. So it'll be kind of. I always root for those teams. I don't know if it's the the proximity to the Cubs. Even though I'm a a Yankee fan, even though I, I like a lot of teams that have done good throughout the. Uh, history of their organizations when i don't have a rooting interest when i'm not a fan of either side i wind up cheering for the guys who it's been a long time and not that the 49ers really have a tremendous amount of success in the last 10 to 15 years but if it if it's been 50 years since you've been and you got somebody as as crazy as patrick mahomes by the way i wonder how much this will be a thing if you're talking to friends family members if you sit down and watch the game especially those people who are not you know, NFL watchers outside of the Super Bowl, his voice, Patrick Mahomes' voice is unique, to say the least. And it's something that I think over the last two years or so, a lot of NFL fans have been infatuated with, certainly early on in his career, is how it seems almost fake if you hear him speak. The more and more that he's now on the grandest of stages and you hear him, you know, even if you're not really an NFL fan, I wonder how many people will comment on, like, at your Super Bowl party, I wonder how many conversations will revolve around. I cannot believe that's what he sounds like because I imagine there might be some of those, but Patrick is an elite, elite quarterback who will be playing in a Super Bowl, I assume, one of many times. Um, and it's just insane to see the way that they play. I don't know why they're always down early. I don't know what that is. It makes the, the narrative more interesting, too. Uh, and this is the last thing. I'd love to hear a call on this, 829 2345 any sort of national champion events, you know, college, pros, whatever it is, if you don't have rooting interest, look, I get it. All our Packer fans here, if the Packers had been in the Super Bowl, you would want them to just crush the other team. You'd want them to just take ownership the entire time. I get it. But when you don't, when you're watching just as a, a fan of the sport, or maybe not even, you always want a close game, right? Like you're always looking for it to be engaging 
on the field so that you're not just watching for the commercials, which people, by the way, do far less often than ever. Uh, they're all on social media way before the game starts. So I don't even think we have the commercial interest the way we used to. I just I don't remember at my last few college, uh, my last few football parties, excuse me, having people, you know, comment on commercials any much as they, they did years ago, maybe when I was at the college parties. Uh, so it's interesting to see the way the interest level now. I just want a good game. That's all I want. And I would love to see Patrick Mahomes win it late. That would be very interesting as far as what I'm rooting for. Tell me what you're rooting for. Tell me if you care. Uh, but based on the ratings, a whole lot of people care. Quick break. A lot more coming up on AM 1230 WJBC. I'm with you guys till 6 o'clock. We have the coaches show on after me tonight, so stick around for that too. Uh, after the break, I will be talking about a diet cheesecake that is horrifying the world. Uh, it's a bunch of ingredients that people do not want to put in, air quotes, cheesecake. Uh, and it made me think because my wife actually made me some brownies over the weekend, and she went a little rogue in the ingredients to try to make it healthier for us. So I want to know what people think of that. And this ABC.com. Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. I was just telling you guys before the break about this viral post. Uh, it's interesting. Every so often this happens, right? Uh, so I guess this post comes from a private community on a social media platform, but someone from said private community decided to make this uh, post public by sharing it on their own Twitter page, and it went viral after that. Uh, it comes from a group that I was not aware of at all. They're called uh, Slimming World. I guess that's a fad diet or a group of people that, that have a certain type of, of diet restriction thing that you can follow. Um, but Slimming World is a thing. And one of the people posting in their, their private social media um, group was talking about a brand new cheesecake. And I use air quotes when I say cheesecake because it doesn't, it doesn't seem to qualify, in my opinion, that they were proud of, that they had come up with and made uh, and it reminds me of people in my life, uh, people like my wife currently or maybe family members in the past who would go rogue. They would make you what appears to be, you know, a food product that you enjoy, that you like, but they've added quite a few different healthy uh, changes to the recipe to try to make it better. So you bite in and it's not the the expectation you, you normally have. This uh, This person made a cheesecake using crunchy nut cornflakes as a base, I guess, instead of any sort of breading or anything else they then mixed on i literally had to google this because i had no idea this is a thing and maybe you can call in and tell me 829-2345 quark quark is not not a food product that i i am familiar with at all uh but quark is is part of the ingredients in this i guess it's part of like the cheese-esque replacement situation uh but quark's a thing i had to google it had to get a pronunciation on it it is a type of fresh dairy product made from warming sour milk and some, I guess there's some amount of, you know, health benefit to quark. Um, but so that's with the cornflakes. You have laughing cow spreadable cheese, and then you have white hot, uh, This it says white hot chocolate powder as the last option. You mix all these things into a bowl. And a lot of people who were commenting on it on the social media post that was public said they, they this has to be a joke. No one can actually assume that this is cheesecake, can eat this as if it's cheesecake, uh, but that does. That makes me think about the people I know, uh, like my wife. And I'll tell you what she put in our brownies uh, after the news with Neil Doyle in just a second. But it's it's the kind of thing, 829-2345. Are you the, the chef in the house who goes rogue from time to time? Do you make something that you tell everyone is one thing, but you've made enough changes to it that maybe it's not uh, what you're promoting it as? Or do you have a story about someone doing that to you? 
feel free to call WJBC 829-2345. I'll tell you what my wife did to our brownies after news. And Walder, lingering clouds with a few flurries possible. Still seeing them outside uh, today. Tonight, clear skies, low of 10. Single-digit wind chills are possible. Tomorrow, mostly sunny to partly cloudy, a high of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy. Snow showers again possible, high of 37. Thursday, partly cloudy. Snow showers possible, high of 36. Right now, Radio Bloomington, 22 degrees. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. I'm going to keep begging. I don't want to do it. If you don't want me to do it, uh, donate to the uh, Polar Plunge, and then I won't beg anymore. I beg for phone calls all the time, 829-2345. I'm also going to start begging for donations because Buck Stevens is just destroying me on the uh, the Polar Plunge donation page. He's got like 800 bucks. His goal's 1000 My goal's only 100 and I have one, one lovely donation from Mary Maid's Gretchen Shelley for uh, 20 bucks. Uh, I, need, I need 80 more dollars, please. Even if it's a dollar at a time, we can make this work. Uh, I'm going to jump in freezing cold water in February, at the tail end of February, and I'd love it if uh, you guys raise money for the Special Olympics Illinois because otherwise it's just silly. Otherwise, I'm just being an idiot. Uh, If I just go out there and jump in the water for no reason, a lot of people have to check my uh, my mental health at that point because it doesn't make any sense. Uh, Later on in the show, I'm going to give away some tickets to the B4 Festival, Bourbon Brews, Barbecue, and Blues. That's on January 25th from 5 to 8 o'clock. Stay tuned, and you'll find out how. Uh, that's happening in a little bit. Before I get on to other topics, I have a story about Hank Azaria and the Simpsons. Uh, you might have heard this. Uh, but before that, I did tease before the news uh, that my wife had made us a gluten-free brownies over the weekend. I love brownies. I don't know what your you know, snack of choice is, 829-2345. Call in with, uh, with any of those. But brownies is, is way up on my list. A good cookie is great. But there's something about, like, you know, a... Uh, a nice warm brownie with a little bit of like melted chocolate chip in there that just that's uh, right to the top of the list. So she made some. Uh, we had bought the gluten-free brownie mix. She, she you know, very lovely on her own, just decided to put it all together because, again, I don't, Craig doesn't cook things. Even that, even brownies where you mix like three ingredients together, put it in the uh, oven, bake it for a while, and then it's, it's consumable. That's way too hard. Uh, for my cooking skills, but she made them. It was great. I was eating them, and they're good. They're very good. I don't want anyone to think I'm complaining. My wife gave me brownies. All I did was, you know, sit, and then they were served to me. Uh, but I noticed something different about the taste of them, and I asked her, like, what's uh, what's that little extra? And it's not. <laughs> I know that things became legal very uh, recently here in Illinois. It's not what you're thinking. That's not the, the road she went down. Uh, she didn't, you know, surprise uh, uh, give me that. But it was like coconut oil. She used instead of vegetable oil or any other kind, I guess it's healthier. Um, and so she decided to throw that in there along with the other, you know, ingredients. But it was it was noticeable. There was a, there was a simple, you know, taste difference in the two. Still good, still very good. Uh, but she doesn't go with all the sugary stuff. She goes with, you know, as many little things as she can. And eight two nine two three four five. Call in if you have stories like that, or if you're the chef that does that. Maybe some tricks. I imagine a lot of parents do this often, try to get their kids the, you know, vegetables and fruits they're not eating by disguising it. Uh, you do this with animals sometimes, too, with pets. If they need to, like, take a pill or something, you, you it's funny that that's my life. I'm a 34-year-old man, and it really does take tricking me sometimes to make me eat healthier. Uh, but they were. They were good. And as I said, brownies are, like, my jam. So it was it was awesome. Uh, 829-2345, though, call in if you have any other variations you've used that have gone over well or maybe maybe not well. Maybe people have said, what is happening here? Uh, and you can't do that at a party, right? Like you can do it at home 
You can serve your your family members items that are reminiscent of, you know, less healthy things. But I think if you're going to a big game party in the next few weeks, you probably don't want to go rogue on those recipes unless you know everybody well. Uh, you know, just on the off chance someone doesn't like whatever. I, I can't imagine the stress in that either. I know that there's got to be some. I even laugh when I say stress. Um, but for me, is cooking's not a thing, so it's just not in my wheelhouse to understand. But uh, give me a call if it's yours. All right, uh, this story broke. I think CNN might have initially broke the story, and it's a thing uh, that's been going on for a while. Uh, Hank Azaria does many voices. He's a prolific voice actor on uh, on Simpsons. He's an actor you've seen in a bunch of stuff, too, so you would know him from other things. Um, but one of his characters has been embroiled in in what I'd call controversy, for uh, a little while, uh, I think a Netflix documentary might have might have kicked it off. It is the um, Quickie Mart owner character that he, do, that he does. His name is a Pooh. Uh, if you watch The Simpsons or if you've been watching it for a while, and he does a a accent, um, kind of a very you know extreme accent with the character. He's been doing it for, as I said, years, thirty years. He's been performing this way, and so it's interesting that as of now, I guess it will be uh, stopping. Before I continue, caller, what's your name? It is Jane. Jane, uh, what are you calling about the uh, the recipes thing or the Simpsons thing? The brownies. Awesome. What do you What do you want to tell me about that, Jane? Well, so we I work at a place where there's nutritionists. Yes. And uh, one time they replaced the fat in brownie mix, and they made I don't know four or five different brownies. One of them was replaced with mashed avocado. Oh. One was um, prunes. One was black beans, and one was coconut oil. Okay. And the one that I liked the least was the coconut oil, but... <laughs> so you, you had what I had. I get it. Uh, wait, the avocado was, was a pretty good thing to throw in yes. there? Yes. Wow. Yes. You just mash it and then, you know, replace the fat with that. And, okay. Um, so, yeah. That sounds, were, see, I'm a millennial. I love the avocado toast. You're speaking my language right now. That sounds really great. Um, do you, well, do you, if you have had yeah. this at work and stuff, do you do any kind of your own cooking now and try to get healthier with some of those things you're throwing into the recipe? I do. I've, okay. I've tried to um, replace meat with chopped wow. black olives in spaghetti sauce. Nice. You like that? And um, I did. Okay. My husband did not. <laughs> but, sense. yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so your we, husband, uh, he sounds like me then. He sounds like, uh, have you done this with a lot of different recipes, or is that just a couple you've tried so far? You know, we there was a period of time when he went completely meatless. Wow. And so, um, yes, I invented a lot of things. There you go. My my wife yeah. loves to invent. I don't know if that's how you are, too. If you love to, like, try new recipes in the kitchen, she loves it. It's just, and I'll eat anything. I really will. Uh, but so every so often, you kind of want the uh, the original recipe, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Well, thank you so much for calling in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anybody else, 829-2345 has, has recipe uh, things, go ahead and, and please keep calling in. Let me know uh, what they are to keep you. It is funny that she says her husband didn't like the uh, the black olive uh kind of transition in the uh in the spaghetti with meat sauce because i get that too the texture though sounds like it might be close so maybe it's just the the taste that becomes uh the issue for some i wish i could do a better job with that stuff i just 
that's not that's not my wheelhouse. Uh, but anyway, I want I want to keep talking about the Hank Azaria thing too. Uh, so two topics at once on AM twelve thirty WJBC. You know me. I do this all the time. Uh, it's interesting that he will finally be stepping away with the character. The documentary from twenty seventeen uh, was called "The Problem with a Poo." It's a very good uh, documentary, and sometimes it helps you, like it helps get the message across to those of us who are not part of the community who don't totally understand. Uh, he talks about in the documentary being a kid growing up watching The Simpsons, being a kid of the descent that the character Pooh is, and and being disappointed that he was such a you know a um, exaggerated version of a lot of the things that that he is not. And so then he would go to school and kids would joke about it, and he felt that it wasn't you know inclusive for him. It was it was detrimental to him as a kid and detrimental to people um, you know in his in his group. So I, it's interesting to see. The decision to finally walk away from at least Hank's portrayal of this character, maybe find someone who is actually of Indian descent to play the character. But just the the Simpsons might be unique in this. Um, and this is my own impression. That show has been on for so long and so many of the voices are just so ingrained in my it's like anything else where like a character changes season over season or a voice actor changes halfway through a show that you watch. This is 30 years in, and I'm not saying that you, you know, have to continue to do something that has been deemed now to be culturally insensitive because you you can't. Um, If you'd like to be, you know, 2020 woke, if you'd like to be in touch with the current society, it does make sense to ask a person like Hank Azaria to stop doing his exaggerated character. But then I think it just has to go away. I think the Quickie Mart, I think a poo, I think it all goes away because to have that character voiced by a different actor and maybe not bring in someone similar. You know, you can make another character of Indian descent voiced by an Indian actor who comes in and does a very different, much more respectful thing uh, with comedy, with whatever else is part of the, the process too. But I don't think you have the same character you've had for 30 years suddenly have a voice change that will be noticeable to the fans, noticeable to the, to the audience as a whole, and then just kind of ignore. Uh, what, and I don't think that when they went into it 30 years ago, they intended to offend people. I think that society, obviously, eight two nine two three four five. Call in if you agree or disagree. Society has changed. The standards of our, you know, entertainment have changed dramatically over the last three or four years, if not five to ten, and certainly last thirty. So when he starts doing this now iconic portrayal of of a, char- I think every character on The Simpsons is iconic. By the way, I think Bart is. I think Lisa is. They all are. And so his is certainly up there in the the cartoon world um, for this character of Pooh. So to have him just change and it would be awkward to have someone try to do the voice he was doing and just be of the correct ethnicity. That is that is as awkward as replacing him entirely. So I think it makes way more sense if I were the Simpsons of just doing away with the character, which they have not said uh, they will do, and finding maybe some sort of replacement character. Maybe a Pooh retires and his son takes over and that son can be you know, uh, voiced by somebody else, and then you don't lose the Quickie Mart or whatever else you need uh, to have come from that character. But at least you you evolve it without necessarily having a jarring sound difference to people who for 30 years have heard one thing. You get accustomed to certain things, and I know that people will care on both sides of the aisle here. And so maybe the best possible thing to do is just move on, as I said, and not necessarily make it where... Because you don't want people objecting. You're doing this to be culturally sensitive, and what you don't want is an uproar from the side that thinks you're being too sensitive. What you want is just the smoothest transition possible. That's my pitch. 
uh, to the Simpsons. That's my pitch to Fox. Just have a poo retire and have someone else take his place, even without him appearing again on screen. Just have, you know, the son run the store one day and say, oh, no, uh, my dad or grandfather retired. It's my store now. Uh, nice to meet you, Homer, or however they do it, um, because this is a thing. It's a thing that's been going on for three years. There have been up and down, you know, ebbs and flows to the to the virality of this story. And so it's interesting now to see that a final decision was made three years after the documentary first made it it a popular take to say that that was a very insensitive, very thick accent that needed to go away. Uh, quick break, a lot more coming up on AM 1230 WJBC. A lot of stuff in store for you today. I'm talking to some really cool guests at 4.30 and at 5 o'clock today. So stick around for that. I'm giving away stuff. I have tickets to stuff, and I'm begging you. Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. My mom just texted me that she'll cover some of my Polar Plunge funds. If I don't make my mom do it either, please, Bloomington listeners at WJBC, don't make Ma throw down $100 so I jump in the water and feel good about it because that's not... That will not make me feel good if my mom was one of the only people that would donate outside of Mary Maids and Gretchen who did. Uh, but that's up on WJBC's Facebook page. I got to raise 100 bucks, and I'm at 20 uh, So if we can pull together enough, 80 people just throw down a dollar, we can make this whole thing work. And then I jump in the freezing cold water in February for a reason. That would be great. Uh, Facebook has apologized for an awkward glitch. Um, a glitch that I don't really understand. I love technology. I do. I love smart things. I love understanding technology better. But when stuff breaks, I don't always understand how things, you know, get broken. Um, and this is the most odd thing to break. Uh, Facebook had a glitch over the weekend, or maybe it was last week, where the president of China, um, his name was translated. If you have Facebook and if you have friends that write in other languages or if you follow people uh, that put up anything that's not in English, you'll see a little button that says translate, uh, which is very cool that Facebook offers that that you know ability, like a Google Translate or anyone else. I have always thought it was risky, though. Every time I've clicked on it, I've, I've thought with a, you know, a, a native language speaker of a different language in the house that maybe they're getting stuff a little wrong, and maybe every so often they're you know, misunderstanding something. I didn't think they'd do this, though, and I can't even tell you the name that they translated it to, but it's Mr. Expletive something is what they wound up putting up there. The president of China... His name, translated for at least a, a certain amount of time on the Facebook, turned into a very vulgar uh, thing, and they said it's just a technical issue. <laughs> Someone hit a, hit a wrong button. Somehow the algorithm got screwed up. Come on. Let's be honest. Someone at your office programmed this to happen specifically, and that's the danger. That's the danger with big, giant companies like this doing services like this is that eventually it falls on some one guy, and that one guy might have a political message of some kind. He might really hate the current president of China. And so what does he do? He goes rogue and he makes the translation something. We see this on like Wikipedia too, uh, which is something that I've harped again, against from time to time. It's a, a platform, it's an encyclopedia that anybody can edit. And one of the most horrific things on it is when someone pops up in the news for you know whatever reason, even a celebrity who passes away, You'll see very disrespectful things land on their Wikipedia page for, you know, 24 hours or so because it's just it's open source. Everybody can edit. And so, again, in the same, you know, way, Facebook right now is in such a weird place, right? Because they they have so much, um, I believe, responsibility uh, because they have so much influence. So so like anything else in your life, like the broadcast or the, you know, network television stations that are supposed to be giving you news. There's responsibility in a lot of that. They can't 
go on online and broadcast or go on the air and broadcast that there's some sort of like horrific fire or something somewhere that there's not because that would be irresponsible. Uh, Facebook doesn't seem to care as much about that responsibility. They continue to uh, rebuff, you know, desires to to get things that are not true, you know, factual lies off of their platform. They don't really want to have to do a lot to censor those kind of things. And at the same time, they've done a lot of uh, what I would say is like CD sort of behind the scenes, you know, gaining information from their users and not necessarily being upfront about the privacies they're invading. So Facebook is in a weird place and yet no one no one goes away from it. I don't know that young people actually use it, but they're all on it. They all have a profile. There's, you know, everybody, all generations, two, you know, hundred million or some odd, however ridiculous the amount of users are now to that service is is astronomical and only growing. And yet we continue to have these these hiccups, these speed bumps, including calling a president of a foreign country a horrible, horrible name for a for an amount of time because it's just too hard to police. Like maybe that's the thing. It's just too difficult to police something that's used by everybody. Unlike television that you turn on and watch, there's only so many people who work there, who go on the air, who say things to you into your ears that you're listening to. So there's only so few people to police. There's not like an open forum at the end of uh, an ABC News report where every jamoke watching gets to say something that's unique to to the Internet, to social media today. And so the policing is way harder. And I get that. But there's got to be some level of, of finding things like this and, and preventing them sooner or at least, you know, being willing to try uh, because your platform just doesn't deserve uh, to be this big, to be this unchecked. Um, and I, I know I'm not in it for like government checks on other stuff all the time, but it's just it's just not viable to allow something this this influential to to be this um, indifferent to its influence and its responsibility in that. And actually, there's been some talk of of influence and other things because of the SAG AFTRA awards that happened last night. Robert De Niro took the stage, man, and he said some things. I got to take a break. I'll talk about that. I'll talk about a lot more on AM 1230 WJBC. I got cool guests coming up in the next hour and a half or so. A lot of things to do. And a polar plunge. Alder, who you'll hear from in about half an hour. Lingering cold, lingering clouds with a few flurries possible. Clear skies tonight. Low of 10. Single-digit wind chills possible. Uh, tomorrow, mostly sunny to partly cloudy. A high of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy. Snow possible late. A high of 37. Thursday, partly cloudy. Snow possible once again. High of 36. Right now, Radio Bloomington, it is 22 degrees. You're listening to The Craig Collins Show on WJBC. It's Craig Collins Show. AM 1230 WJBC. My wife loves fun. That's the name of this band. Um, so I figured I'd play some fun for Betty, uh, who's listening at home. Uh, hi, Betty. I uh, hope you enjoy the fun. Uh, I like two different stories that I saw today for vastly different reasons. The first one comes from NASA. Uh, and actually, there's a, a new plant for sale, I think, mostly in the U.K. Unfortunately, I don't know if we get a lot of this pineapple plant here in the United States. We probably will start shipping it, though, uh, because the plant, as NASA uh, found, can help prevent snoring. So if you have a, a snorer in the family, if that's a word I can make up, 829-2345, and you've tried different life hacks uh, to get that person to to quit anything, I don't know what it would be, sleep on the side, roll into the stomach, It's uh, it's up to you what life hacks you might uh, implement to get it uh, down. Because snoring is terrible, I imagine. I don't do it all the time, but I think whenever I do have a have a bout 
Uh, the wife notices that it's not uh, great for her. And I don't know what her tricks are. I actually should have my own wife call in, tell me how she gets me to stop. But apparently this plant might be like the thing. It's only um, 15 or so bucks. Uh, it's actually really hard to grow, though. Apparently it takes like two years to grow, and it's only in special places where they make it. Uh, but this, this pineapple plant, the aromas of it, uh, something about it produces a much better air quality in the home, specifically in the bedroom, a much better amount of oxygen is produced, maybe to help a a, no, uh, a noisy sleeper, it says, open those airwaves, uh, get things a little bit easier, get some toxins out of the system, what have you, and apparently it'll, it'll really cut down on snoring. So I imagine that as this thing gets more and more places, now that NASA's figured out the, the tremendous benefits of it, uh, that you might all of a sudden come home one day, if you're the kind of guy or girl that, uh, that might snore when you sleep, and see a couple pineapple plants just sitting by the bed. Uh, I don't know how much light they need. I don't know exactly what the care tips are uh, for it, but the recommendation for sure is to get this into the bedroom if you have any kind of issues. Um, other, other than that, like there's a bunch of other stuff that I've read you can do, and then there's that apparatus that you put on if you actually have like sleep apnea, the big crazy thing. I have a, uh, a colleague at a different uh, place I used to work that started wearing one, and I guess like uh, I would love to have somebody call in, 829 829- Two, three, four, five, like that oxygen mask thing you wear if you get diagnosed uh, with sleep apnea that opens those airwaves. I, I can't imagine how hard it's got to be to first start like rehearsing, going to sleep with that thing on. Uh, he would complain about it often. But once you get there, like once it's it's gone, I imagine that the benefits like the, the ability to not snore, to have a good night's sleep, uh, because with that, actually, with sleep apnea, like it inter- interrupts your sleep so much, even if you don't wake up, you're kind of waking up so often throughout the night you just get terrible sleep Uh, but if you could do all this with a plant if you just can throw a a pineapple plant by the bedside and get the same results as like strapping a whole crazy you know scuba diving outfit to the body i imagine that option number one would sound a lot better than option two so we might see a lot more people doing it but uh please call in 829-2345 if you have any sleep hacks that you'd like to share here on the craig collins show i'm moving on to another story that's been Viral ask uh, in the news and out of the news for a while since it happened uh, was that crazy dentist who shot a video removing a tooth while riding a hoverboard. Just an idiot of a human being. Um, This is out of, I think, uh, Anchorage is where he did it. Uh, He has been uh, tried now, and actually he was convicted on all 46 counts that he was facing. The jury said he was very guilty of a lot of terrible things, and not just actually terrible things related to that hoverboard thing. I guess he was also defrauding a whole bunch of people, uh, taxpayers, whatever. So he's just an awful, awful person. But the reason I bring this story up today uh, after reading the news coverage about it is the most interesting comment to me came from this guy's lawyer, the guy who was hired to defend him, the guy who was asked, you know, and paid by the by the dentist to go into that courtroom every day and try to find any way he could uh, to get this guy off on the charges that he was he was facing. And even though the lawyer did that, you know, that's the job. You take the cash, you go in, you defend the guy. He actually said this about the whole experience. He goes, I want to let, uh, I want you to know that as his lawyer, I apologize for what he did on that hoverboard. It's unacceptable. And you can be assured that when I agreed to represent him, this is his lawyer speaking. I got in his face and told him what I thought about what he was doing, which I think he needed to hear. It needed to be done. That is a quote from this idiot dentist's own lawyer who who made that public. Not even did he actually do that. Not did he look at his own client and say, you are a moron. You can't do things like this. That is, you know, horrible to 
to brag about it. Uh, if you don't know the story, not only did the dentist do this, but the reason he's in trouble, he filmed it, shared it with colleagues and friends, and was proud of the fact that he was capable of doing this, of extracting a tooth while on a hoverboard, even in the video as he's sort of riding away. You see him, like, smiling toward the camera, uh, and he even joked that it was like a new, you know, standard of care in his office to do things like this, to ride hoverboards and, you know, have unconscious patients that you're ripping teeth from their face. This is this is his new version of doing that. So he is a complete, you know, like irresponsible, terrible uh, version of a dentist. And his own lawyer, his own lawyer's name is Paul Stockler, had to had to take him to the woodshed before being willing to go out there and defend the guy. Um, he will be sentenced on April 30th. So even though he has been convicted on all of the charges, uh, we don't know the extent of the sentence yet. That will still take a little while to hand down 46 different counts he was facing. And uh, yeah, I, I assume this if this were you or your kid, someone you know in your life had had been treated by a guy who would do... It's so weird, man. Like the minute I've been knocked out a few different times, I've had some stomach surgeries. You might know. I might have mentioned it on this very show. I still got a, a hernia still going that I need to get fixed. And it is weird. You know that moment when you're like, you're dozing off. You're like, I hope they don't draw stupid photos on my face or something. And I know they wouldn't. 99.9% of doctors are responsible people, but that's the fear in the back of your mind as a patient, at least my insane mind. And so this one kid who had this, you know, tooth ripped out to actually get to see that the doctor's riding a hoverboard is like that worst fear come to life that, oh my God, they do do crazy stuff after they knock you out. They do, you know, push the envelope as much as they can in, in terrible, horrible ways. Uh, one last story, actually. I, I got a break, but I got I to gotta talk about this because I love technology you hear it all the time in the show i have alexa in every room of my house i actually have alexa uh, currently sitting in front of me it's on my computer and i was thinking about bringing one into work i have an extra uh, plug now because after the christmas season i got uh, my family knows that i like these smart things so i got a lot of extra smart things so i have an extra smart plug and i would just bring it in just because just because i'm the smart technology guy in the office so i'd add one to my desk with no although i guess okay fine Quick pause for a second. You might say as a person listening that none of my smart devices have an actual purpose. Purpose, Fine, I can agree with that. But if I bring one here to work, it has even less actual value. Just put a light on my desk that's a smart light just to do it. Um, but I have it. I have the extra plug, so I thought about it. And so when I saw this story today, it intrigues me like they, they all do. Uh, Amazon is hoping that we get to a place where your credit card is embedded in your hand uh, and I, not necessarily, I guess, embedded in your hand. Maybe there's some sort of motions you partake. Maybe there's some sort of like biometric readings with your fingerprint or something they can they can analyze so that Amazon gets to the point where you can buy stuff just by being you. You don't have to have any sort of like payment on hand ever. Uh, and that's a pretty cool world. In my opinion, I'd love it. Uh, they are calling it non-contact biometric identification systems, hand scanners, etc., uh, these are the kind of things that would embed payment devices, Amazon Pay, what have you, inside your own DNA, inside your own body somehow. Uh, there's a bunch of ideas, a bunch of, you know, hopes in the future that this technology really gets more concrete, more more viable, and, and we understand it better. Uh, but just the idea that non-contact biometric identification systems might be a thing of the future, it could scare a lot of us. It makes me kind of happy, though. Uh, I, I'll never forget my wallet. If it's my hand... You can literally never forget it, uh, which sounds exciting in and of itself. 
I can't tell you the amount of times I've been in a store and Betty's like, oh, you don't have the wallet? Really? No. No, honey, I got to go back home. Just stay at this Kmart for another 20 minutes. I'll be back in a little. But now it could be my hand. A quick break, a lot more coming up on AM 1230, including a guest after uh, 430, a very cool guest who took up ballet in her 60s and loved it. I have that whole story. I'll talk to her. Uh, first, a quick break. This uh, CNBC News report by Alder, who you should have heard from. I'll have his audio in just a second. You know what? Actually, wait a minute. Hold on. I think I can find it. There we go. Just a second. Here is Brian doing it himself. From Heart of Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder, and this is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. We'll see some lingering cloud cover for the rest of the day today. Might see a few stray flurries at times, but skies will begin to clear as we head into tonight. We'll call it mainly clear to partly cloudy, especially after midnight. Low temperatures tomorrow close to 10. Windshield values likely in the single digits tomorrow morning. Expect a quiet but cold Tuesday, and thankfully... Not as cold as what we've seen in the last few days, but high temperatures only in the upper 20s tomorrow afternoon. Wind chill values could be as low as the teens at times during the day. Then clouds return to the forecast on Wednesday, but we're a little bit warmer. High temperatures Wednesday afternoon in the mid to upper 30s. We could see some light snow showers returning to the forecast Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Then a chance for some rain and snow showers to continue throughout the day on Thursday. From Heart of Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder. And that is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. Thank you very much, Brian. Right now it is 22 degrees at Radio Bloomington. Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. Uh, thrilled to talk to my next guest, Michelle Herman. Uh, Michelle, among many things, is an excellent writer. Uh, she writes for Slate.com. She's written a few books. Uh, the Middle of Everything, Memoirs of Motherhood is one of those books. There's some novellas out there as well. Um, she's also had a uh, written a advice, advice book for children, A Girl's Guide to Life. Uh, Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I loved your recent article. Uh, by the way, you also do a, a weekly column in Slate. It's weekly, right? Yes, every Sunday. Okay, it's called Dear Care and Feeding. Uh, you answer questions from people on all different kinds of stuff. Uh, but you wrote a, a different article as well that came out, I believe, this morning, uh, entitled What Happened When I Started Dancing Ballet at 62. Uh, from the first few paragraphs of reading, you know, the way in which you, you studied a little bit in your childhood and then walked away from it, I was hooked to this whole story. So I'm, <laughs> I'm thrilled uh, you're on the show, and I'm even going to quote you at one point later on because there's one specific passage that I really love, but talk a little bit about uh, what people find if they go to this article on Slate. Well, I guess what they find is um, is the experience of discovering something about yourself when at a time when most people assume there's nothing left to discover. Yeah, no, um, exactly. That really expands your life, I guess. That's the, that's, I haven't tried an elevator pitch before, so there you go <laughs> off the cuff. Well, there you go. So... Um, I don't want to spoil the entire article. People should go to Slate. They should read uh, uh, what you've what you've written there. Um, but the the premise is that a, a dance studio, a ballet studio, opened up relatively close to you, and you remembered uh, taking classes in childhood. So it was one of those moments of like, you know, I can't not do this because I would almost feel, you know, like I'm making too many excuses to not at least go try a class, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So then you go out and uh, tell me the experience of what it was like to take. Uh, one of those first classes, uh, as you said, at 62. And how long have you been doing it now, by the way? Uh, it's going on three years. There you go. Uh, so what and was it I, like? And I, <laughs> the first time? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say that I, I, I feel like I should 
give a caveat here. Sure. I'm not sure it would work this way for um, everyone at any ballet studio. This is a, a really unusual studio. Okay. Um, which, of course, I didn't know at the time. All I knew was that it was a dance studio and that I didn't even have to cross the street to get there. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, really, like, how lazy would you have to be not yeah. to go if you didn't even have to cross the street? Sure. Um, and that first class was very tiny because they had just opened. And something magical happened. I, I can't really explain it myself. I mean, we were going through, if you know anything about ballet at all, just a very basic first movements that you do, um, and as I'm, I, I wish you could see me as I'm describing it, I'm, I realize <laughs> my arms are going into second position, um, you know, just going through the positions of, of the port de bras, the carriage of the arms, and the various things you do with your feet and your legs, mm-hmm. and the teacher was this delightful young man from Italy, um, and he was so loving and encouraging and hilariously funny and <laughs> charming. Um, so I didn't feel foolish, which I expected to feel. Mm-hmm. And um, I wasn't discouraged. And by the end of that class, I felt like I had actually, I, you know, I talk about it in the piece, that I, I'd made art with my body. Yeah. And so I signed up then and there for a, <laughs> for a monthly <laughs> unlimited class pass. And started going. I mean, it didn't it didn't take as a complete addiction right away. But at this point, almost three years in, I'm I'm there six days a week. See, um, I I love yeah. I love this story. I love the the passion with which you write about it too. Here's what I wanted to uh, quote in it too, because I'm I'm 34 um, and I'm just getting back into working out after not working out for a while. Uh, my wife and I have taken a bunch of group classes at our local uh, at our local YMCA, and uh, even though I haven't uh-huh. had your connection. Uh, your deep connection to any one, you know, specific thing. Um, it, I do feel right. similarly to you in the fact that, like, at any age, at any time in your life, even if you feel like maybe, you know, this, it's not a time to go discover something like that new, to get physically active again in a, in a new way, much less any way sometimes, uh, that it's not true, that, that you can find the right things for you, maybe the right group of people for you as well. Uh, but yes. this was one of the yes. most moving things uh, you had written, um, just because of how much I related to the idea of it, uh, during the brief periods of my life, and I'm sorry to quote you to you, uh, during the brief periods <laughs> of my life when I've exercised, when I've taken up swimming or aerobics or yoga, I, ha- oh, I had always turned off my mind in order to attend to my body. That is such a powerful uh, sense. I had always turned off my mind in order to attend to my body. I just want to read it again. That was why it was fun when it was fun, and I wanted it to be fun. How else could I get through it? Um, so, so then uh, reacting to that paragraph in your, in your piece in Slate, any other time that you had done exercise outside of maybe when you were younger and, and taking dance for the first time, it had never been, you know, fulfilling in the same way, correct? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's now, and I, you know, I, I recently discovered a Facebook group of women throughout the country, and I, I think actually outside the U.S. too, um, who have had a similar experience, who sure. have taken up dance in this very particular way, and everyone echoes that same that same feeling of sort of that that moment I describe in the essay is feeling a feeling like this is something I've been missing my whole life, but mm-hmm. I didn't even know it. Yeah, um, it you know it's the thing that Carly Rae Jepsen sings about in Call Me Maybe right? <laughs> <laughs> about <laughs> excellent reference, right? There yeah. you go. No, yeah, um, and and. Suddenly, everything clicks into place. Uh, well, it really it, 
Go yeah. ahead. No, no, go okay. ahead. No, you. No, you. No, okay. you. Ask me. <laughs> um, well, so I was wondering then, for anyone out there listening right now, anyone, um, I'm on AM radio. I know my demographics uh, skew a certain way. Anyone who thinks, you know, oh, this isn't right for me, ballet specifically or whatever, uh, would you believe then more on sort of a macro, uh, in a macro way, that you just have to discover whatever it is that your passion is right. to, to reignite something like this. It won't be ballet for everyone, of course, but maybe it'll be basketball or something else that you, you did when you were younger and you don't do anymore, or even maybe not even necessarily that. Do you think the, the childhood connection is necessary too? I don't think the childhood connection is necessary, but gotcha. I do think it's some seed that w- that's been planted. Mm-hmm. I mean, people talk about having this experience with learning to play an instrument when they'd never played an instrument as a child, yeah. but they'd always responded to music, and suddenly at 45 or 50, deciding it was time, and then becoming completely preoccupied with it, you know, playing the violin being the thing that gives their life the most meaning. I mean, I, I already have a very, very busy life. Yeah. Um, and I have, you know, and I have an artistic outlet. I actually have multiple artistic outlets. I, I'm not only a novelist and an essayist, but I also sing. Oh, wow. And I sing with an incredible choir that has really been an, an inspiration to me. Um, but this was like, this really felt like the missing piece. How much and, was the... Um, oh, sorry. No, I'm interrupting you again. Go ahead. That, no, that's okay, because the problem with me is you drop a quarter in, and I just start, I just start talking. <laughs> so it's better if you ask me questions. Well, how much, how much, is, how much is the group uh, making it for such an... I, I think it's, it's wonderful yeah. that you decided eventually to, to try ballet again at 62. You go to this class, um, you know, very close to you. So, like, all these excuses. But then when you walk in the door, right. you wind up in this perfect situation where there are not a lot of, like, you know, expert people who are going to look down on the one person who's just trying to learn it or whatever. You, as you said, the teacher is such a, a lovely, you know, kind of warm, um, you know, uh, person to interact with as well. How important is the group in finding those those places to help us reignite those passions or find new ones? Oh. The group is a huge part of it. I mean, I didn't have the group that first day. The studio had just opened, and so it was my teacher, Filippo. Gotcha. And the, the few people who were in the room, and it was just him. I mean, it was the force of his energy. Mm-hmm. But by the time I was going for a few weeks, um, it, you know, a group had begun to coalesce around it. And the group changes. There are people who are, there are a few people who've been dancing with me from the beginning, um, who are there just as obsessively and as frequently as I am. Uh, and then there are people, there are new people who come in, and, and the new people talk about it because the energy that greets them when they walk in, we all greet them. We're all excited to have someone new coming. Um, we all know what it felt like that first time yeah. to walk in and feel sort of strange and potentially foolish. Um, the energy that's been created around it, and I mean, it's something I wish for everyone. Because when I travel, I do take class, and it's hit and miss. Um, you know, sometimes there's one class I take in New York that is about as close as I can come to this because I can see that there's a regular group of older people who come. Sure. Um, and I, I would, but to create an environment like this was a very special thing. I mean, these are these two young guys who came to Columbus, Ohio, and decided to do this with this specific idea. I don't think. Their expectation was that it would be quite as successful as it's been. Yeah. But um, I should say its name, too. If I, I doubt very much if anyone's listening from Columbus, Ohio, but it's called Flux Plus Flow. Nice. And 
they have just created this supportive and challenging space. Um, so that, and it's not for everybody. I mean, I've had, I've seen people come into it who've danced before and who, and who are not comfortable with how much we laugh <laughs> and how, and how much we chat, sure. you know, um, because there's a certain expectation in ballet that it's going to be kind of punishing. Yes. That's part of the, the beauty. There's nothing punishing about this class. We work very hard at it and it's very beautiful, but we have so much fun. Yeah, my own... And I, um, I do think that's the thing, right? You're having fun. when you're, I mean, there's the fun, too. There's the work, and then there's the having fun within the work. Exactly. My own uh, interpretation of ballet from afar, never having tried it, not sure that that would be the thing I would try, although the story also <laughs> makes... You never know. Um, but but it's just how grueling... Well, if you're ever in Columbus, I invite <laughs> you to come and take a class with there me. There you go. Okay. The, I, age, go the age range of people in that studio, of regular people, um, the youngest tend to be in their early 20s. Gotcha. And, you know, still students. And um, my, my poor friend Judith, I always describe her as the oldest. Judith is 10 years older than I am. <laughs> and she's an epidemiologist. Gotcha. And she matches me hour for hour in the studio. We're both there 12 hours a week. Wow. She is the wisest, um, is the way I would describe her. If I was she's, asked no, if she's listening, she's definitely not the wisest. <laughs> but she's the, <laughs> right. she's, the, she's, the biggest, she's the biggest wise guy. There you life. go. All right. Well, I thank you so uh, much, yeah. Michelle, for joining me. Uh, like I said, you're a... Uh, You've written, you've written several novels, The Middle of Everything, uh, Memoirs of Motherhood sounds very interesting, an advice book for children as well, A Girl's Guide to Life. Uh, there's some novellas out there. There's a bunch of stuff uh, to check out with Michelle Herman, uh, as well as the Slate piece, What Happened When I Started Dancing Ballet at 62, which is motivational, among other things, uh, really beautifully written. So thank you again for joining the show, Michelle. Thanks a lot, Craig. Cool. Bye-bye. I will, I will talk to you soon. A uh, quick break. A lot more coming up on AM 1230 WJBC. But see, if you're somebody like Michelle, 60-something years old, thinking you can't find a new passion in life or can't get back into a, a physical kind of thing, uh, both of those are wrong. Uh, she's done it, and you can too. Quick night, clear skies, low at 10, single-digit wind chills possible. That's terrible. Tomorrow, mostly sunny to partly cloudy, a high of 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy, snow showers possible late, high of 37. Thursday, partly cloudy, snow showers also possible, high of 36. Right now at Radio Bloomington, 22 degrees. It's that time. It's time for the Curiosity Daily Podcast segment with uh, co-host Cody Goff. Curiosity Daily co-host Cody Goff knows a bunch of ways to make you smarter. They've done studies, you know, 60% of the time it works Every time. Let's see if he can help a lost cause like the Craig Collins Show. Hey, leave him alone. He doesn't know anything. Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. I'm a lost cause, but Cody Goff is here every single Monday, 5 o'clock, to help me out. Cody, how you doing, bud? My New Year's resolution is to make you a found cause, Craig. And what's that? I'm going to make you a found cause. Oh, that sounds so exciting. Cause. I've yeah. never been one in my whole life. I've never been a found cause. Uh, I'm begging people on social media to even go after a cause that I'm a part of. I'll get to that in a bit because you're a social media expert. But you're here to promote mm-hmm. your podcast, your award-winning podcast, the Curiosity Daily Show. Uh, you guys make us smarter in about 10 minutes every single day, Monday through Friday. Find it on all the podcast platforms, including the smart speakers, which is what I prefer. So Cody can wake me up in the morning every single day telling me uh, interesting things. Um, many, many interesting facts. We have to start though. We have to start though with the art of manliness. You guys used an article from theirs on one of your podcasts this past week, um, and uh, you know I can't. If you ever quote the art of manliness or use something from them, it'll always be first on the show. 
<laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, we talked about the three encounter rule. Yep. You know the three encounter rule? I do. You have to meet Craig at least three times before you even sort of like him. This is this is a, a thing. It, you know, um, a lot of times first impressions aren't so great. Actually, one of my best friends in marching band from college, uh, who ended up being one of my best friends, the first couple times I saw him in marching band, I couldn't stand the guy. <laughs> it was like, this guy is showing up to practice and flip-flops. He's loud and obnoxious, which ironically is what I am, so I don't know what the problem was. <laughs> but uh, you got to give people time. And this goes to like Tinder dates, too. I mean, yeah. How often are you going to have a good first date? If you're me, zero times, because back when I was on Tinder, that never worked well. <laughs> uh, and so always give someone two or three tries. And the three-encounter rule is just a good rule of thumb. Well, uh, try to give him a few chances, and uh, once you warm up to him, then you can decide if you hate him or not. And if you relate it to the dating world right now because of like the internet and the apps and stuff that exists, you know a lot of stuff about these people that you're going on that first date with. So I think part of the reason they're probably so awkward is you don't want to reveal yet that you've stalked the crap out of their social medias. But by like date three, you maybe can know more things forgivably. So maybe that's a part of it, too. This is my own guessing, adding to the research of the great art of manliness a group of human beings and the curiosity people. So great work, uh, Cody. Uh, what is the, hey, anytime. I like this title on your podcast, by the way, cause I thought it was going to break bad. I felt like it was a CNN headline and it was about to be terrible things, but what is the real effect of paying it forward? The real effect of paying it forward is exactly what it sounds like. It is, this is not some like weird fake news thing. Okay. Uh, researchers did a, did, did a study where they had a bunch of people, basically, I think it was a classroom setting, uh, but it was in a controlled environment, of course, as much research is, and uh, they had people basically do nice things, and the professors and the people monitoring them noticed that not only were other people also doing nice things, uh, but that everybody just felt better in general. So paying it forward has a real psychological effect. If you're the one paying it forward, you feel better. And if you're getting it paid forward, you're going to start paying it forward yourself. So it's a good chain reaction. Uh, it would be really nice if everyone just started doing nice things uh, and turning off CNN and never watching it. Cause it's <laughs> no, that's not, that's not. We don't have to go that hard with our take. I, I love you throwing that at the end there. What does that say about me, by the way, Cody, that I, I read that headline and I immediately expected like something terrible to be the effect of paying it forward? Like, all of a sudden, you, you just have a bad luck streak or something? I don't know what that says about me as a person. It's, it's normal, honestly. There's, okay, there's a negativity bias that, that a lot of people have. Um, and most of us, you know, if, if, if I gave you ten compliments about your radio show mm -hmm. and then said one mildly critical thing... That's the truth! ...only obsessively... Yeah, but Craig, it's not just you. And, and it's just, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's especially true with you. Okay. But with, with most people, that is a real thing. And it happens... Literally to all of us, all the time, yeah. no matter how many nice things a person says, it's that one negative or even neutral thing that you'll focus on. Mm -hmm. And that's a total regular psychological thing that we regularly touch on in various uh, psychology studies that we talk about on Curiosity Daily. Awesome. Look at that. I'm going to share with you the mean social media thing said about me on a commercial break. I'm not going to do it here just because you're absolutely right that you focus on those things <laughs> like crazy. Uh, what is the Zoomies and why do our pets get it? So the zoomies are basically, if you're a dog or cat owner, you may notice that sometimes your pet just starts zipping around the house nonstop, mm -hmm. like just like a just like a lightning bolt zipping around all the time. And believe it or not, there's not a, a large body of research on this. Um, we do answer listener questions on Curiosity Daily, so if you're like really curious about a certain scientific thing, you can write into us at podcastcuriosity.com, and we answer it. 
we did some research, and right now researchers tend to think that it could be a sign of a pet feeling really safe okay. and being able to expend energy at a high amount because they feel safe, they feel like protected, basically, um, because zoomies are also observed in the wild. There's like wild coyotes, wild foxes that, you know, a researcher will be out in the field, you know, checking out these animals, hanging out, and suddenly just start zipping around for some random reason. Wow. So, um, so right now it's good to be optimistic about it. Uh, maybe, you know, remove highly breakable glass items from precarious shelves or something if you think your animals can zip around a lot. But it's nothing bad. It's nothing necessarily unhealthy. Um, and uh, that's that's where we're at right now. Uh, Hashtag you know, we'll fake keep news. Posted if there's more research. Yeah, exactly. No, hashtag, no way, Cody. I, as soon as you told me that it exists in the wild, too, that would be terrifying if I was in the wild studying like coyotes and they all got the zoomies at the same time. That would that sounds like a horrendous situation to be a part of. They're all just zipping around, looking, making eye contact with me, demonstrating to me that I'm in the wild with them and they're the they're the aggressor. That sounds petrifying. I just got to be honest with you. Um, babies have vision in the womb. This was a whole thing you talked about. So not only here's the thing, we've uh, there's some research, some new research that shows about the development of like fetuses and embryos in the womb, mm-hmm. and what has to do with vision. So like your cells, right? They like you've got you've got cells in your eyes that let in light, and then that goes to the vision processing sure. center of your brain. Yep. But what researchers are finding is that those vision cells that are starting to develop in in the fetus are actually connected to lots of different parts of their developing brains. So not only is vision important for babies just to be able to see in general and like lead and light and things like that, but it also has all these different implications for different parts of the brain, different types of learning. And researchers may be able to use this new information to figure out how the brain is connected in different ways in the future. So it's just kind of a cool, like interesting research study and and kind of makes you think about like, huh, you know, our, our brains and our bodies aren't so like, okay, this does that and this does that, but they're really interconnected webs and, and everything affects everything else. Okay, I think I have to go back to the Zoomies thing because I don't think you fully appreciated how terrifying it is. got to try it again, Cody. What animal in the wild would be like the scariest group to get? Like we're talking like tigers, lions, elephants. What would be the scariest Zoomies group to you? How often do you go to the Democratic Republic of Congo? <laughs> I mean, elephants and lions, Look, like... I'm afraid of sinkholes, Cody, and I don't go to Florida. Did you you recently see The Lion King? I did, yeah. I did. I did watch The Lion King very recently. That is a thing that I watched. Um, I mean, I think the scariest one would probably be, like, chimpanzees. Oh, yeah. Throwing stuff, all of them together. There's usually so many chimpanzees, too. Like, in all honesty, a group of elephants, there's probably, like, four. But chimpanzees, there's going to be, like, 40 Zoomies, that it's so terrifying now. The next time a regular pet does it around me, I'm running screaming out of whatever establishment or home I'm in uh, just because of this uh, conversation now, Cody. Uh, before I let you go... Craig, yeah, go ahead. We have, we're talking about cute cats and dogs. How And murderous possibly... elephants. Okay, all right. Either well, or. That's where we're at. If you have an elephant, beware the Zoomies. <laughs> I'm just trying to educate the masses, trying to keep them safe in case they ever go to an area where once you told me it happens in the wild, my brain is now there for the rest of the show. I don't think I'm going to do any actual show after I let you go. Sure. Um, before I let you go, though, you are a social media expert. Um, you know a lot of the things about social medias. I have been for probably 24 hours now 
uh, begging our audience, both here on the air as well as on our social media pages, to donate to my charity uh, event. I will be doing a polar plunge here in Illinois at the end of February. I'm jumping into freezing cold water, trying to raise money for the Special Olympics Illinois. Great cause. You know, really great thing. Uh, a coworker of mine has a goal of $1,000, and he's up to like 850 in donations. I have a goal of 100 and I got 20 bucks. Um, I'm just curious, your, your social media expertise, how effective is begging and pleading with our audience? Okay, so to be clear, my social media expertise uh, came before I joined Curiosity. So gotcha. that's from a totally different career that I had mm -hmm. uh, in, before I became a science communicator. Uh, I don't have the data in front of me in terms of how effective <laughs> begging is, but I will give you a life hack, Craig. Right, that we discussed on that we discussed on Curiosity Daily. There are four magic words you can use to getting what you want, uh -huh. and those four magic words are "but you are free." And the context is, you say, oh. "Hey, I'd love if you could give me a hundred bucks, but you are free to decline, or right. but you are free to give less." And what that does is that gives the person the option of basically saying no, so that they don't feel like. They're being forced to say, like, oh, yes or no. You're basically saying it's okay if you say no, but, you know, it would be great if you do this. So you can use this in any context. Uh, I would love you to go, you know, get me a Diet Coke from the fridge while you're up, but you are free to not do that. Okay. Uh, hopefully whoever you're asking would do that anyway. That's a very bad example. <laughs> no, I'm but writing I'm writing, better examples. I'm writing my fifth <laughs> social media post of the day right now, and I'm adding, but you are free not to at the end of it. Thank you, Cody Goff, co-host of the Curiosity Quiet. Daily Podcast. Uh, you are, you're, by the way, you're just a better professional than me. I went rogue and you brought it right back to the actual topic at hand and your expertise. That was like, you deserve an applause for the way that you brought all that back on topic. So way to go, bud. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again next Monday. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, maybe donate to my polar plunge, Cody. I know you got some cash. You're winning some podcasts over there. Nope, well, he's got. free not to, correct? <laughs> right. Oh, but you're, you're totally free not to. It'd be totally fine if you didn't. Did I go too far? Nah, we're good. Perfect, buddy. Talk to you soon. Look forward to having you on next Monday. Quick break. And, and this is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. We'll see some lingering cloud cover for the rest of the day today. Might see a few stray flurries at times. But skies will begin to clear as we head into tonight. We'll call it mainly clear to partly cloudy, especially after midnight. Low temperatures tomorrow close to 10. Wind chill values likely in the single digits tomorrow morning. Expect a quiet but cold Tuesday. And thankfully, not as cold as what we've seen the last few days, but high temperatures only in the upper 20s tomorrow afternoon. Wind chill values could be as low as the teens at times during the day. Then clouds return to the forecast on Wednesday, but we're a little bit warmer. High temperatures Wednesday afternoon in the mid to upper 30s. We could see some light snow showers returning to the forecast Wednesday night into Thursday morning. Then a chance for some rain and snow showers to continue throughout the day on Thursday. From Heart of Illinois, ABC, I'm Chief Meteorologist Brian Walder. And that is your AM 1230 WJBC forecast. Thank you for that, Brian. Right now it is 22 degrees at Radio Bloomington. It's the Craig Collins Show. Now, back to the Craig Collins Show on WJBC. It's Craig Collins Show on AM 1230 WJBC. Just saying as many times as I can. Uh, go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Craig Collins Show, and share my post about um, the Polar Plunge, I will be partaking. I need donations real bad. It's looking pretty uh, uncomfortably bad right now as far as donations go. I got 20 bucks. My goal is a hundy. Um, and I'm just asking you to share it. If you share that post, you'll be entered in for a chance to win tickets to the B4 Festival. Uh, you want to go to that this weekend. It sounds really fun. Uh, who, who doesn't like bourbon? Who doesn't like barbecue? Who doesn't like blues? 
you know, come on. It sounds like a fun time. I'll give out tickets in about 20 minutes or so here on the show, a little less than that, as long as you share that social media page. You can also find that um, post on WJBC's page and really just share any of the things I've posted about my polar plunge, and I'll put you into the drawing. Um, I don't know why stories about, like, wedding requests, bridezillas, whatever you want to call them, are more likely to go viral than, than other things. It seems like they are anyway. I bet a higher percentage of these stories wind up in, you know, people's faces like mine. But I have a new one. Uh, apparently, this bride had asked all of her guests at her upcoming wedding to drop 50 bucks to get into the, uh, the reception. It costs $50 to go to the party. Uh, she also said that if you paid early using, you know, Venmo or some sort of digital payment service, you'd get added to a VIP list and you would not have to wait to enter the wedding. Otherwise, you're going to have to get in line. Uh, donations are going to be accepted at the door, and it costs 50 bucks to get inside. Uh, the reason why so many people, of course, have reactions to this is, as it says in the article I'm reading, sometimes it seems, at least recently, that people forget that wedding guests are indeed guests and not customers at an event. Uh, the person who posted this on social media, she went to Reddit. She is 19 years old. She said that she's a, stu a student. She's not in a whole bunch of debt, but she's certainly not, you know, financially flush at the moment. So she's incapable of throwing down the $50. She called her cousin, who is the one who's getting married, told her she couldn't afford it, and she didn't really like the way it was being executed. The cousin told her that's too bad, hung up on her, I guess called her mom. So this is the person's aunt, uh, the bride's aunt, and complained. The aunt then said, yeah, well, you know, the kid's cheap. Uh, and then I guess the parents offered to pay the, the person who put this up on social media, pay her way into the wedding. But now it's just a statement thing. Now this person won't go to her cousin's wedding because she doesn't want anyone to throw down 50 bucks because uh, you have to. I, you know, I paid for my own wedding. Uh, my wife and I got married in Mexico a while ago now. I guess it's been a little bit. Um, and we paid for everything, man. We, you know, covered all the expenses. I think that maybe her dad uh, brought the booze, so I shouldn't say every single uh, price because he, you know, brought it into our reception. It was an open atmosphere. He hired a bartender, and he supplied all the liquor. So that actually is a pretty expensive uh, part of the whole party. It was open bar, man, and we had a good time. Uh, but my wife and I covered everything else, and we didn't demand things from people. I actually think we sort of sent the wrong message to her family. We might have sent uh, they're doing pretty good uh, messages in. Nobody really brought us gifts. I think we got one wedding gift. We got a set of pots, pots and pans from one of her, um, her sister-in-law's mom, and that was it. That was the only gift, gift anyone brought us. They also, uh, in Mexico, play this game called like the dollar dance, where everybody comes up one at a time, dances with the bride and groom, and they're supposed to like pin a dollar to your jacket or to your dress. But uh, they didn't pin any dollars. No dollars were were pinned to the to the college, and I wasn't mad. That's we had a great time. It was a good wedding. I don't think I would have wanted to charge to get my money back because I spent money on getting married. Would it have been nice? Sure. I mean, if people brought guests or uh, gifts and had brought you know gaysh or, or we would have taken it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have turned anything away. Uh, but maybe the problem here in today's day and age for people like uh, this person's cousin is overextending yourself. If you can't afford your wedding, and if you really want to make that money back, you can't force people to pay it. That's my own opinion. Uh, but the story's gone viral. People have a lot of thoughts. 50 bucks a head is a pretty expensive wedding. I don't know what all the things you gained for that price would be. I mean, you know, just honestly, how many times, 829 
have you paid that much money to get into anything other than say like a Disney World or a Disneyland, some kind of theme park? If the uh, if the reception is theme park uh, available, if you're doing this at like Cedar Point, then maybe I get it. Uh, but fifty bucks, everyone required either at the door or before. And the other thing, huge mistake by Bridezilla, uh, if that's what you want to call her, no discount for paying ahead of time. If you pay early, if you do the Venmo route, you should get the discount. It should be five, ten bucks off. But yeah, she's gone viral because she's requiring a payment, which you just can't do. Uh, in other news, I love that this story, or at least the photos of this interaction, uh, were somewhat viral today, uh, just because we're all looking in. Like, we're all, it's enjoyable to to see how things are going. And also, uh, the fact that both Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston won awards, and that Brad referenced the fact that he's currently single. I think he talked about his Tinder profile, whatever. Uh, but I guess backstage, the two of those people uh, ran into each other. They hugged it out. They seemed very friendly. Uh, Jennifer, they always go to Jennifer Aniston when Brad Pitt is giving his speech because inevitably he references his terribleness at being married. And I think he's talking more about Angelina than he is about Jennifer at this point. But every time, because they're both at the award show, that Brad starts talking, you see Jennifer Aniston smiling in the audience. Uh, By the way, I did love the fact that in Jennifer's speech she she gave props to Adam Sandler because he is like the forgotten man. In all this, he had a great, great uh, movie. He had a great role in the movie. And, uh, you know, he's not at these award shows. But it's just funny to see this is getting to the level, the Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt reunion thing of the Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper. Uh, And if you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you. But Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, when they were showing up at all the award shows and there were the rumors of the relationship because of how great uh, they did in their movie together, that, you know, it hit a fever pitch compared to anything else, any other stories coming from the award show world. And now this, the Jennifer Aniston-Brad Pitt reunion, seems to be like the it story. I can't wait for the, I don't even know if they're both nominated for Oscars. I doubt they are, actually, because I don't think Jennifer's is a, is a movie. It's a TV show. She's nominated for the, the Apple TV show, The Morning uh, Show. So I don't think she gets to go. Someone needs to bring her. Someone bring Jennifer Aniston to the Oscars. That is my... My, maybe Brad Pitt. That would be crazy if he if he brings her as his date just to to keep it going because people are very fascinated, uh, including myself, for whatever reason. All right, a quick break. A lot more coming up on AM twelve thirty WJBC. I'm done in just a few minutes. I'm going to give out tickets to the B four festival uh, right before I sign off the air. To get entered into a chance to win, you got to go to my Facebook page. You got to share my polar plunge post. It's all there. Facebook.com slash Craig Collins show. Uh, and I will do that maybe every day this week, unless uh, management tells me to give them out a different way. Then maybe not. But I need donations, too. A quick break. A lot more coming up on AM 1230, including a unique fingerprint that you didn't know what it was a fingerprint in your life. It's your dance style. Apparently, you're dancing. You're listening to The Greg Collins Show on WJBC. Greg Collins Show. AM 1230 WJBC. I have just a couple more minutes left. Uh, then you got Coach's Show coming up at about 6 o'clock right here, 6, uh, 10, something like that, on AM 1230 WJBC. I'm giving away prize in just a few minutes. Uh, if you share my social media post, facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show, the one where I'm begging for donations to Polar Plunge because I'm embarrassingly embarrassingly behind the one other coworker who's doing it so far. I need donations, people, real bad. Uh, If you share that post, you don't have to donate, just share, and you have a shot to win B4 Festival tickets. 
giving them away in just a few minutes on AM 1230. Uh, before I do that, though, I want to tell you why your dance style is one of the most unique fingerprints you have in this world. Apparently, a new study has demonstrated that the like little tiny nuances to how you dance, maybe some of your, and I, I think they lovingly say this, you know, some of your um, your uh, inspirations, some of your upbringing styles, the, the jazz, the reggae that's in that dance style, no matter who you are, no matter how uh, talented you are, is very unique to you. So much so that if they asked you, say, to prove your identity by dancing, maybe that'll be a thing. Maybe like Apple and everyone will say, you know what, the face technology alone, it isn't really intelligent enough for us to restrict this. Uh, we need something else. We need to really kick it up a notch. So added to the face technology is the dancing you got to dance to unlock the computer i'd be thrilled if that but it better play music if it asks me to dance then my apple computer better start laying down a beat so i don't have to do it solo Uh, but over the past years different studies different authors have continued to notice humorously i guess that this is a very unique and true thing Uh, one of the uh, authors of the study dr emily carson said in her release we actually weren't looking for this result as we set out to study something completely different Our original idea was to see if we could uh, use machine learning to identify what genre of music our participants like to dance to, but instead that machine learning noticed how very, very different everyone's dance movements were. In total, 73 dancers took part in the experiment, each participant with motion capture uh, as they danced to rap, reggae, blues, country, electronic dance, a whole bunch of stuff. Um, And it's just so interesting to think, as another professor in the study mentions, Uh, We think it's important to study phenomena as they occur in the real world, which is why we employ a naturalistic research paradigm. That's cool. That all sounds very intelligent to me. Uh, But apparently, the odds of you dancing like anyone else you know are just terrible, uh, which makes me feel really good. All my Craig Collins trademark moves really are just mine. All right, quick break. I'm going to come back in about two minutes. we got Coach's show in a few more minutes after that. I'm going to do a weather report, and then I'm going to give somebody tickets to the B4 Festival. Not a lot of shares on social media right now, so really good shot. It's you. Uh, from WJ, the ABC Chief Meteorologist, it's the WJBC forecast, Brian Walder. Tonight, clear skies, low at 10, single-digit wind chills in effect. Tomorrow, mostly sunny to partly cloudy, a high at 29. Wednesday, mostly cloudy, snow showers possible late, a high at 37. Thursday, partly cloudy, snow showers possible again, high of 36. Right now at Radio Bloomington, 22 degrees. I have tabulated all of the tremendous amount of shares on the social media pages and i have found one winner uh the winner of the b4 festival tickets is linda ann linda congratulations thank you for playing the game thank you for sharing the post uh you get to go to b4 festival if you wanted to go if you're someone listening that wishes you could have won uh well keep sharing that social media page and maybe we'll do the same thing tomorrow maybe we'll give out those uh prizes and again i'm I'm not even asking you to make the donation This is just to share the page to help me get the word out. So I I come even a little bit closer to bucks, uh, 800 plus dollars because I'm currently sitting at 20 bucks and that's not a good look. And my mom has already offered to pay the whole thing. Don't make my mom do that. I'm a radio human being. And if my mom has to swoop in and pay the other 80, I will feel very sad. Like the way I did whenever she had to like, you know, pick me up from a basketball practice or something and I didn't get to play. Uh, It's one of those kind of days. Don't, don't bring back those memories, please. People do your best if you can afford it to share my social media pages. Before I get out of here, uh, the Coach's Show is coming up on Hy-Vee, at Hyvee in just a few minutes here on AM 1230 WJBC. I wanted to mention this story because I thought it was uh, kind of interesting. 
I don't know if you uh, go out and buy suits often. I doubt many people do. Uh, but when you buy one, when you go to a tailor or some kind of shop, you certainly want to make sure the fit's right. You want to make sure to try everything on. But just like a fancy dress, like a suit's a thing. It's a whole, you know, it takes a lot longer than trying on a shirt at a Target. And so there's a company, I think this is in Spain, uh, that is charging people 17 bucks per try-on. So anytime you want to try on a suit at this establishment, and they're fancy, they have tuxes, they have everything, they've been around for 40 years, they're asking you to, you know, fork over a little bit of cash. They got the tailor standing there. He's adjusting things, maybe, uh, you know, so it's a whole ordeal. It's a whole process. And I wonder if this is the kind of thing that may become more popular over time, you know, like, because it is, it is. I'm going to forgive this idea just a little bit. I hate it for the most part, but a little bit of me is like, yeah, you know, the person working, trying on all the stuff, pretending you look good in everything you're wearing, because that's the role. If you're somebody in retail that's selling things to people, you can't say they look that bad in anything. You got to say they're pulling it off, at least I assume, no matter what it is. So, you know, this store charging 17 bucks kind of sort of makes sense to me just because there is a whole, you know, aspect that maybe too high, maybe more like five. Maybe we should just tip those people. We tip everybody now. You tip your, you know, barista every single time you go to Starbucks. You tip everyone else in your life, uh, even people when you order takeout. Seemed to need a tip on the little uh, the little receipt there, so why not? Why not now start tipping the guy who's trying to get you into that suit or that that dress that you're looking to get for your next big event? Um, it makes sense to me. All right, this has been the Craig Collins Show on AM twelve thirty WJBC. Find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Craig Collins Show. I'll continue to ask you guys to donate to my Polar Plunge until maybe we hit my my goal of a hundred bucks, and then I can uh, thankfully stop doing that. Uh, that is taking place at the end of February. I'm jumping into 30-degree water.